You made one mistake. You never took my car. And welcome to the Zero Credit Supplemental Reading of 2023's Fast X, directed by Louis Leterrier. My name is John. And my name is Henry. And if you've never listened to a Zero Credit Supplemental Reading before, we talk about things that are important, generally have artistic importance. However, we've been talking about the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise for years now, and we're not going to stop, so we're doing it again. That's right. This is the, uh, if I'm counting it right, according to our books, 15th entry <laughs> in the Fast and Furious franchise. At least that's how many items there are on my ranking. <laughs> Uh, indeed. I might quibble and say there are, in fact, 16 individual pieces to the Fast and Furious Zero Credits canon. If you've never listened to one of these before, we spoil everything. That is especially true in the Fast and Furious movies, in, because in addition to spoiling the contents of the movie, uh, we spoil ourselves by drinking as many Coronas are in the movies. That's correct. Um, and... So, so if you haven't seen Fast X, now is a time where you pause the you pause the podcast, uh, go see the movie, and then re- keep listening to this after you've seen it. We will discuss this Fast and Furious movie as well as every other piece of Fast and Furious content under the sun, uh, without boiling boiling about spoilies, worrying about spoilers because we're, we're assuming you've already watched it and experienced it. And yes. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, extra work in this supplemental reading because you actually need to go back and watch all Fast and Furious things leading up to this. Yes, including Spy Racers and Los Ben. Watch everything. Come back. I know it'll take like a week. You know, your life is pretty busy. But when you come back, you can enjoy us talking about this movie that we've been patiently waiting for for two years now. Yeah. Um, I think we saw Fast... No, we didn't see Fast 9 together. We saw Hobbs and Shaw together. Mm-hmm. That must have been four years ago. Yeah, that sounds right. Because it was pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID before the world changed. And then uh, Fast... Not F9 The Fast Saga was 2021, July or June of 2021. Right. So just about two years we've been waiting for this. Uh, did we do F9 The Fast Saga in person? Because that's another unique and special wrinkle about this episode. That's right. All Fast and Furious supplements or readings are done in person. Uh, that way only one person needs to buy the Corona to be able to share it with the other. There's no doorstop deliveries. I'm not a door dasher. John's not a door dasher. Pour one out for the door <laughs> dashers out there. We are in person. We are drinking Coronas. Uh, to kick off this this movie, let's just start with the Corona count. Of course, the, the Corona count in this movie, I believe as of F9, the Fast Saga, as I said, we are drinking as many Coronas as show up in the movies uh, unless there's like some big joke where there's a bunch of Coronas in which ca- there's a bunch of rules. We'll get into them if they come up. They don't. They, they not, <laughs> not in this episode. Not in this movie. And they have not come up yet. And sometimes we'll drink like a Belgian beer. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I believe as of F9 The Fast Saga, we were actually fully caught up on the Corona count. And this movie starts off strong. Okay, I do want to talk about this. Uh, because there are some staples in these Fast and Furious movies, and one of the staples is 
the barbecue at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's an inversion in this movie. Uh, Fast X begins with the barbecue for the first time ever. Yes. And so we get our corona scene in early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, early on, the uh, the Fast and Familia are having a, uh, uh, <laughs> a, a banquet of coronas. In uh, I think Los Angeles. Yes, <laughs> I, um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you caught that. Mm-hmm. There's a very subtle sort of set dressing going on, mm-hmm. where I believe they found an indie song from 2004 that just goes in my city. I love my city. <laughs> uh-huh. Good to be in my city. Yeah. While showing the most basic stock footage of any any generic city. <laughs> yes. But I think we're supposed to get the idea that it's L.A., the, yeah. Ari- the Toretto home. Mm-hmm. The Toretto home that's been in these movies time and time again. It even got blown up. <laughs> yeah, the ancestral Toretto home, which was once d- demolished. And I don't know how it came back. Did they just fix it up? Was that addressed in any of the movies? I'm going to say Mr. Nobody's peeps, his contractor's rebuilt it as a show of good faith, so showing that, hey, you're no longer wanted international criminals, please come home. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think uh, Deckard Shaw Blue, I don't know. Anyway, movie starts strong. There is a barbecue at the beginning with some heavy foreshadowing about all of the events that are about to happen yeah. in the movie. Uh, but it starts with a table... Full of Coronas, we 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 almost start the movie with six Coronas right off the bat. Right, it, it's a shifting number of Coronas on that table. I don't know who's doing continuity on that set, but between cuts of shots, everything moves. This is a note that I have about the movie generally. Whoever is in charge of continuity is doing. People set things down; they're in totally different arrangements than yeah. how they set them down. The decor of rooms can slightly change between shot, reverse shot. So the the coronas seem inconsistent, but I counted a maximum of six on the table. There are six on the table. Uh, Rita Moreno, mm-hmm. the fabulous Rita Moreno, is introduced as Dominic Toretto's mom, mm-hmm. who is inexplicably still alive. Yes, <laughs> which is. And honestly, it's a wonder that no one has ever gone after her, because presumably she's a known quantity. She's just a civilian, a citizen of the United States, with a public address in the phone book, presumably. Yeah. It is a wonder that they never have gone after her. They, they went after everyone else important to Dominic Toretto. Uh, save his very sweet mother, who's in the movie for maybe five minutes. Yeah. Uh, the thing that you have to say about Dominic Toretto, be it genetic family or found family, they just keep getting bigger. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, so there, during her speech, this is a very fun tidbit. During her speech, there are six corona mm-hmm. on the table in front of presumably each adult. Yes. When her speech is over, she raises a corona that... Has come from nowhere. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> there, there is a new Corona that was not in her hands previously. And then there are three subsequent Coronas. Yes. Uh, we, we move from that scene. We're not going to do a play-by-play for the entire movie, I promise. We're only doing a play-by-play to count the number of Corona. And God help you if there's ever one of these movies where a Corona travels through the entire movie. We're going to do a play-by-play of the entire movie if that happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, It'll be like that scene from Bullet Train. If you know, you know. I'm not going to explain it. 
Um, but yeah, so we go from that scene to another scene where people just walk onto the onto 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 the onto the screen. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. people walk into the scene and hand people Corona, and that happens like two to- two more times. Yes, for a total of ten Corona. Yeah, someone walks in. I think Han maybe walks in with two, hands one to somebody else. Someone else gets handed a Corona. We're up to ten. We're making a little bit of a of a of a devil's bargain. Yeah. Uh, so real quick before we get into the bargain, uh, we can do this in as little as a couple words. Uh, tasting notes from tasting a Corona for the first time, I think, in two years. I honestly, uh, I don't know if it's because I had COVID and I had to relearn taste. This isn't bad to me anymore. Really? I think it's in my blood now. I have watched so many of these movies. Yes. We have drank upwards, I'm just going to say it, a ballpark number of 77 Corona uh-huh. now. Yes. It tastes okay. I, I don't hate it. It's not offensive. Yeah. There, as always with Coronas, there's there's somewhat of an iron taste, a little bit of a B.O. taste. Yeah. But, you know, they're fine. I, what I'll say, though, is if we wanted to get caught up in this episode, real math heads out there would know that we'd have to drink five Coronas each. And uh, nobody wants to do that and still, like, drive home or continue yeah. to function on a Tuesday night. It's a weeknight. It's a school night. We're not about to drink five Coronas each. Although, I will tell you, I did do the due diligence. There is a 12-pack. Well, there's the rest of a 12-pack in my fridge. So, the devil's bargain. The devil's bargain is that tonight we are only drinking a total of six Coronas. Coronai. Uh, also, you had... <laughs> You, you had COVID, so of course Corona tastes now good, because as we all know, COVID stands for Corona, very interesting, darling. Uh, and we are we are drinking a total of six Coronas tonight in the hopes that this deficit does not betray us in the next movie. Right. Uh, because if so, it'll have to be a two-parter or someone will sleep on someone's couch. If there's, like, 20 Coronas in the next movie, we're gonna drink, like, 24 Coronas. Yeah, no. So, it's yeah. gonna be bad. Uh, we are, we are, we are crediting ourselves for Corona after the end of this episode. And if there are more Corona in the next movie, we will owe that on top. We'll record over the weekend, probably over the entire weekend. And, uh, but... Let's get into this movie proper. Uh, Fast X, directed by Louis Leterrier. Uh, for those of you who don't know, directed The Transporter. Great movie. Now You See Me. Mm. The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Hated it. So he's got a, an interesting track record. Uh, interestingly enough, this is one of the, the second movie that Justin Lin, famed director of The Fast and Furious, uh, wrote on. Mm-hmm. Alongside of Dan Mazio, who wrote... Wrote Wrath of the Titans, the sequel to Clash of the Titans. And interesting to note, those are his two writing credits. Uh, incredible. I 
It's Justin Lin's uh, increased participation in these movies is pretty fascinating. As we know, directed Fast 3, 4, 5, 6, and 9. Right. Uh, largely credited as revitalizing the uh, the series, bringing it to great prominence, especially with Fast 5. Uh, Gary Scott Thompson always sneaks in there in the credits. I think he only actually worked on The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, so his credit is based on characters created by... He mm-hmm. is on every Fast and Furious property... Which is, honestly, that is the gig to have. It really is. Every project they do, he gets some royalties. And, of course, Dan Mazzeau, Wrath of the Titans. Never seen it. I think the remake of Clash of the Titans had, like, a little little clock owl named, like, Booba or something in it. Archimedes, maybe? I don't know. Who cares? And, of course, the cast list is immense. It's enormous. You've got all your regular players. We're not going to list them. Uh, do we? We don't list them. Uh, we don't list them. I would like to say, as far as the cast goes, in case we don't come back to these characters, there are some real standouts that are uh, fresh to this movie. Uh, we'll we'll talk about your Jason Momoa's a lot, but I yeah. want to shout out Alan Richson, who plays Ames and Rules. Alan yeah. Richson is both a very good actor and history's most intimidating-looking person. He is uh, like six foot five, one hundred percent muscle. Uh, he is in, I think, the Amazon Prime video series Reacher, which is surprisingly good. Is it that, or is it... Yeah, it must be that. He's in a couple things. Yeah. He's in, like, a um, CW... No, he's for, in, he's in like, a comic book thing, I think. Uh, for you, uh, you know, people who are struggling to place this man and you don't want to Google, he was one of the career volunteers in the second Hunger Games movie. Yes, uh, he was in Hunger Games. Huge guy, really good actor. It's very rare you find actors who are huge and good actors. Love Alan Richson. Daniela Malchior, our favorite rat catcher Ratch- number two, comes back. <laughs> rat catcher number two shows up as uh, Patty... That's not her name. I don't remember. I true. Pa- Whoever? Elsa Pataki. What? That is the actress's name. Daniela Melchior is her name. No, no, no. She comes back as Elsa Pataki's sister. Yes. Helena. Or Elena. No? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Listen, we don't know anything about these. Rita Moreno, as we discussed, those are really the uh, the standout kind of new actors I wanted to mention. I just want to give a shout out to Joaquin de Almeida. Spanish names. Almeida. Almeida. Uh, reprising his role for a couple of uh, new scenes as uh, Senor Reyes because uh, John Mm. what is the best Fast and Furious movie of all time? (laughs) Now I think that uh, they they entered the writing room of this movie with that exact same question. They burst in on the writers and said everybody what's the best Fast and Furious movie of all time? And everyone agreed unanimously Fast Five. So then Justin Lin went to the board. He wrote Fast Five. Stepped back for a moment. Gauged the room. Then returned to the board and wrote Two. (laughs) Yes. Fast Five. Two. Fast X is not Fast Ten. It is Fast Five times two. Yes, Fast Five times two. This is a direct... Fast X is a direct sequel to Fast Five ten years later. Exactly. Uh, it other than, <laughs> other than some characters, this could have just been a direct sequel without seeing anything. 
in the middle. It begins with one of my biggest fears, and I have to give the movie props for not doing this, is that uh, it's it's getting really common to like deep fake actors in uh, in previous movies or roles and like project them forward. Uh, this movie does something that's creatively bankrupt, but I don't think ethically bankrupt, in that they just re- reuse footage from Fast Five. And really sloppily edit Jason Momoa <laughs> to be in the car with one of the disposable minigun bad guys from the bridge fight. Yeah. In Fast Five, <laughs> there, there's a very, there's a great moment where they've preserved the footage of the minigun car flying into the sea, but they edited Jason Momoa's body <laughs> falling out of it. Uh, I, I try not to do this. I try to approach these movies. With as much integrity as I can. But when I saw CGI Jason Momoa flailing from that minigun car, I could not help but laugh out loud in the theater. Yeah, I uh, I saw this movie with a pretty forgiving crowd of, I'm going to say, six people. And maybe we'll get into the box office numbers for this movie that have me a little concerned. But the people in this theater are like... They're the kind of people who are seeing Fast X at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. They kind of get it. Yeah, they must be real heads. They, they must, they, they, they're in on the, the joke. Yeah, they laughed at the right times, and they definitely laughed at CGI Jason Momoa being thrown into the drink. I, I thought the funniest part was when the minigun is deployed from the, I don't know, VW Golf or whatever. It does a sloppy cut to Jason Momoa in it saying, yeah, get him. <laughs> yeah, get him. It's great. It's great. Uh, it, like I said, pretty creatively bankrupt to do that. Not ethically bankrupt. They they just put him all over Fast X and suddenly he, he was an ancillary antagonist in those movies. In that movie. In that movie, yeah. Um, great scenes that we did not need of him standing in front of the empty vault swearing revenge in his mind and, and like just so many moments that while seemingly felt necessary to show in hindsight we didn't i don't think we needed all you need to do is maybe show him in the car yes watching like his dad's car like flip yeah and then we could have moved on but hey credit where credit is due no deep fake no cgi other than flailing body into the water, but yes. reusing footage, I think it's a good way to signal in the most abrupt, overt way possible that this is a sequel to Fast Five. <laughs> yes. Also, once again, credit to Joaquin Dalmeida for uh, looking at Jason Moa as a as a him being a seasoned actor of a very specific cultural lineage looking at jason momoa and saying my son yeah uh props <laughs> props to him for for totally selling that and uh, not cracking up looking at jason momoa and saying my son hey we don't we don't know what the mom looks like we don't know her background maybe that's true maybe. joaquin delmeda is not a tall man he looks nothing at all like jason momoa he, even slightly he married a very tall samoan yes absolutely uh he yes no i it's fine uh um, i get it yeah yeah. It, 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 yeah oh there's a lot going on in this movie there the, other than it being the true sequel to fast five ten years later uh the entire movie hinges on that 
point that mm-hmm. that this is a sequel that Jason Momoa's character Dante Reyes Dante, Dante Reyes. I mean of course of course as you do uh, there's a thing to talk about there later but I'm sure we'll get into it <laughs> I just maybe connected a point in my head uh, Dante Reyes is out for revenge because of course the Fast and Familia took away his everything his inheritance. And the money that they stole, and um, apparently Dom says they burned, but I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. I think that's a bad retcon that I just... <laughs> they retcon that they don't want to steal. Because once again, they're good guys now, despite... No! <laughs> despite, even in this movie, killing so many people. So many people. So many innocents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the entire movie hinges on the plot point that uh, Dante Reyes is out for revenge. Not for a quick painful death mm-hmm. but a long drawn out suffering and that he's going to dismantle the fast and familiar's world brick by brick using stolen technology yes of course uh i i really appreciate that basically every villain in these movies has had the the backbone of having some kind of stolen omniscient technology that just happens in the background uh, and it continues through this character i want to bring up a point that um in fast 8 mm-hmm. fate of the furious fate of the furious we are introduced to the cyber criminal hacker extraordinaire cypher yes who torments dom into doing her bidding by holding his baby mama and son hostage. Yes. She is vile. Mm-hmm. She is a villainess. Yes. Uh, and she is not reined in by the end of that movie. Quick note. Cypher, at that point, greatest, one of the greatest villains that this whole series has had. Like, totally amoral, willing to, like, d- torture and make characters suffer and, like, really uh, inflict her will on characters we love. Yeah. Great. Since her introduction yes. and subsequent evasion of being brought to justice she only exists to literally be cocked by the newest villain yeah Uh, the greatest villain at that point introduced in the series just exists it's so dumb it's the dumbest you you are wasting the most arguably the most talented actor on screen with incredible physicality yeah to just get beaten up or used by whoever the new villain is. I'm pretty sure in Fast 9, the F9, the Fast Saga, she is held by the villain. Who's... I cannot remember. Yeah, it was uh, some, like, Romanian guy who hired John Cena, I think. Yeah. Um, but, like, she's in prison Yeah, for most of that movie, to no effect. Yep. Other than the show, like, oh, well, this guy got Cypher. He must be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And this movie opens up with yet another dude just strolling into her base, taking out all of her dudes by, like, kidnapping their families or whatever. Yeah. And and then leaving her to stumble onto the Doretto's... I said it... I said Doretto's. To the Toretto's doorstep, bleeding out, saying, like, hey, um... Somebody's coming for you. You have no reason to trust me. Also, uh, I know where you live. That is a great and charitable 
version of events. What Cypher really does is rolls up in a new DeLorean, gotta appreciate Fast and Furious movies for showing you new cool car shit, rolls up in a new all-electric DeLorean, bleeding from the gut, and proceeds to deliver some of the worst written dialogue in the history <laughs> of filmmaking. Well, including, including such gems as, I thought I was the devil... Turns out it's him, so that's disappointing. And the enemy of my enemy is you, <laughs> directed at Dominic Toretto. Just horrible, horrible stuff. I don't know in what world the scenario that Cypher turns up on the Toretto's doorstep bleeding out Letty is armed with a gun and a silencer. Uh-huh. I don't know in what world Letty doesn't just pop two in the two in the head. Yeah. Drop her right there, call the authorities saying, "Hey, remember the 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 person who like terrorized Dominic Toretto into pulling all those crimes and literally killed his baby mama?" Um I just dropped her. You want to come clean up the body? Yeah. No, I, I mean, Letty does get her pound of flesh kind of later. And yeah. probably one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the Cypher-Letty fight. Now, I get uh, I get a great Letty fight scene yeah. that doesn't have Gina Carano in it. And I'm just happy for that. I, I had an echoing thought. Okay, they have a really great fight scene. Uh, mm-hmm. It is multi-layered. It is all over the place. It is... It is, like, street fighting meets professional fighting meets, like, just superhero battle almost. Because, like, they're using the environment, throwing each other through plate glass. Double knee bomb into plate glass window. Great. And I just, I had an echoing thought. I think it might have been F7, where a director was in an interview, was quoted as saying, yeah... We've got a cat fight on steroids. Yes, it's so much more egregious than you portray it as. In the script, it just said that they have a cat fight on steroids. Okay. And then Gina Carano and Michelle Rodriguez said, let's actually like work right. with the stunt people and choreograph like a great fight scene. I just, this. yeah, I want to applaud. I, it, the seeds that were, were sown by that Gina Carano and uh, Letty fight uh, have just blossomed into this brilliant moment of... Yes, this is a real fight. We're not pulling any, you know, stereotypical jokes. These are both formidable people in their own right. Uh, they're going to fight. And of course, Letty is finally going to, she's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to use you to get out. But then also like, you're going to stay here because yeah. fuck you. Depending on the movie, you can really be in it for a really good Letty fight. Letty versus fucking, uh, oh, what's the MMA fighter's name in Fast 6 in Dubai or whatever. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. The Ronda Rousey-Letty fight. Letty yeah. Gina Carano. Good one. Now Letty Cypher. Very good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Letty gets her licks in. But, like, th- also... I we lauded, I think, in our supplemental reading of Fate of the Furious that uh, Vin Diesel was really acting his ass off for this movie, like coming to tears, getting yeah. really furious. And I think that he's just been recovering since then and has not hit that same stride. Like, no. And um, this movie might be the weakest Dom. I've, he's, to me, and you can disagree, I think he's kind of sleepwalking through this movie. And the fact that he is encountering face-to-face the woman who, like, killed the mother of his child and is, like, just kind of mumbling at her and gets angry a little bit. But it's just, like, 
Just I, not believable. The Vin Diesel performance in this film is now rubbing against extracurricular material. Mm. Uh, because, of course, if you were tracking the series at all, you were tracking the uh, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson beef, uh, the rumors about being difficult on set, and he, he's, a, he's an executive producer of this movie. His production company... One race productions. Uh Uh-huh. Because, of course, he only believes there's one race. I don't know. The human race. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it's about. Okay. Yeah. um, I thought you were doing like a... (laughs) Like mudslide. I said it like it was a joke, but no, that is why he calls it that. Um, Like, he's got an incredible stake in these movies, so it's it's so weird to know how bought in he he is to the point where he's, he's going to rub... Uh, or butt heads with one of the you know most in demand high highest paying actors living today and like eject him from the series. Ejecto Cito cuz. Ejecto Cito cuz him from uh, the the franchise, and then we see him deliver just a wooden, yeah. uninspired perform. I don't know what I don't know if the director didn't push him enough if he was like a one take. You know, Chuck or something on this on this movie, like you did one take and, and yeah. it's out. I don't know what it is, but I wasn't buying it. Yeah, uh, there's there's a moment, a really great moment that happens on the same bridge as the climax of Fast Five, mm-hmm. where it's it's seemingly like Dom has the upper hand, and then out of nowhere, Brie Larson misses nobody. Yeah, gets shot by a sniper, mm-hmm. and he just. I'm going to use this word, ejaculates a no. Yeah, yeah. That one is not earned mm-hmm. and is not believable yes. and just took me right out of it. Because why would he care? I mean, this is, that's definitely uh, an indictment of his performance. But also, like, kind of the emotional core of this movie is that truly terrible things happen to Dominic Toretto, including the partial destruction of the Vatican, which he loves. Yeah. <laughs> Ostensibly, he is a man of faith. Um, Apparently Catholic faith, which but I, like, I don't his, know if that was ever established. His Basically, the whole Fast and Familia is assumed dead. He has no yeah. reason to believe that they aren't killed. Right. His son, multiple times, is in tremendous danger. And he loses a brother. He he loses a brother. He loses his literal brother. That's, I think, the the potential death of Jacob, which we'll get into, is, like, the the biggest, like, emotional reaction he has. But even then, it's nothing. Like, he he no-sells the biggest things happening to this character. And it's a real bummer The love of his life gets arrested. Yeah. Nothing. 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 I just don't get it. I, I don't get if he's, like, done with it. I I truly don't. Something is rotten with Vin Diesel's performance that I'd like to see fixed. Because I know he is someone who is capable of, like, great craft. I don't, yeah, I don't know if, like, maybe critics have gotten to him. So he's like, well, I'm going to phone it in now. Because, yeah. like, when I try, I get torn apart. Maybe, I mean, if I, if I don't try, maybe I'll get torn apart, but it won't matter because I didn't try. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if he thinks, like, this quiet kind of smoldering thing is, is like, if if it, if that's his response to, like, well, they think I'm too emotive. Yeah. And maybe not manly enough. I don't know if this is, like, a toxic mas- masculinity thing. I don't want to bring that in, but, like, that could be it. 
I'd love to know if there if there is a criticism of him being too emotive because his, if we're judging it based on the movies that we've seen, his being a too emotive is what I would like to call just kind of acting. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Base level acting. Yeah. Like, the performance that he gave in Fate of the Furious, which is, like, his... I think his crowning achievement outside of non-Fast and Furious movies where he's actually a tremendous actor. Right. He's in this movie called Find Me Guilty where he's, like, a really genuinely good actor. Uh, but no, I think his performance in Fate of the Furious was just, like, a good acting job. And that's, to us, him acting his ass off. I, I mean, maybe what it is, is, like, he's been in the character too long, mm. to the point where he's like, well, I don't need advice. I don't need notes. Yeah. I don't need line reads. I, I've been this guy for over 20 years. And I mean, he's an EP, so, like, yeah. you know. Maybe, I, You'd like to think that him and Justin Lin have such a relationship that Justin Lin can tell him what to do, but maybe it's different. I don't know. Well, he just wrote it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He was yeah, a brand new director brand coming new off director. of directing The Curious Life of Timothy Green or whatever Brian the Dog, <laughs> Louis Leterrier wrote. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, maybe they don't have that kind of relationship. Maybe not. Like, maybe, the, maybe, maybe, to be honest, maybe Vin Diesel needs a stronger hand. Yeah. Um, like, someone to really push him. Mm-hmm. And maybe John... John... <laughs> Maybe Louis Latier, uh, John the dog, John the dog. Maybe Louis Latierier, uh Just he had maybe he had a, a looser hand on set. I don't yeah. know. It's it's tough to say. We it's you can't really um, but, infer too much about that relationship. But regardless, the end product in his performance really, really, really disappointed me. It was probably my least favorite thing about this movie. Uh, and honestly, it, yeah, he carries most of the action mm-hmm. of the four plot lines. There are four plot lines in this movie. Yes, uh, Vin has. Uh, I'm sorry, Dom has the, the dominant plot line. He is, yes, of course, the dominant plot yeah. line. He, he is, of course, our protagonist, so we stick with him the longest. This is also, for what it's worth, a Dominic movie. Like, yeah. This is... It's more so than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the these other plot lines, they really are get in, hit your marks, say your lines, get out. Mm-hmm. We're not lingering on jokes. We're not lingering. Like, it's like immediate, like if this was Star Wars, immediate, you know... Cross wipe across the screen. Let's get back to Anakin. Yeah, um, Anakin is my go-to for Star Wars. Apparently, the main character. But I, I want to analyze Dante Reyes's plan because he is the smartest person we have ever come across in these movies. Uh, I would also like to analyze Dante Reyes as a character and perhaps the casting choice. Let's start there. Yes. Let's start with the background. Dante Reyes, Jason Momoa. Um, you you start. You start. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I, I think to, to analyze the character, the character is like pretty straightforward. At first. At first. Uh, but I... To color my perception of Dante Reyes, something that I kind of clicked into relatively early in the movie, I don't think this role was written for Jason Momoa at all. Really? I think it was written for someone with a very different body type, a very different demeanor. I almost feel like this role could have been written for like a Pete Davidson or or a David Dast Malkian or something like a, a live... Kind of weird guy. Like a wiry, more yeah. so, maybe a little more lanky. Maybe because Dante Reyes is Fast and Furious Joker. Okay, 
I'm glad you said that without me prompting. Yes, it, it, I, I, and I've made this comment to people who've asked my opinion. I was like, well, Dominic Toretto's greatest villain is the Joker. Yeah, it is literally the Joker. Yeah, it's literally Batman's Joker. Yeah. Um, and, and so I see what you're saying, because Jason Momoa is of a certain build. Mm-hmm. We can just say it. Uh, he's Aquaman. Like he, he, He's Aquaman. He's, but the thing that I appreciate about Jason Momoa's build and Aquaman, other things, is, is he's a big guy... But he's not, like, shredded. Yeah. He's just, like, a big guy. He's got kind of a gut. He's more muscular and taller than most people will ever be, no matter how hard they try to be taller, I guess. It's okay, John. I know. I'm a short king. Yeah. But, yeah, this was this is it's called Drago from, mm-hmm. from uh, Game of Thrones. Like, he, yeah. he is an imposing big figure. Yes. And in this movie, he doesn't use his physical strength at all. Really much at all. And to be honest with you, I love it. Yeah, yeah, why <laughs> because not? Because it would be... I, I love the idea that they wrote this. I keep coming back to Pete Davidson. They never would have written something specifically for, for Pete, Pete Davidson. Because he's a dog shit actor and you wouldn't write a role no. for Pete Davidson. You'd give him a bit part, like... I'm just going to throw out a suggestion, maybe like in an internet cafe in London. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, if you were to write Pete Davidson into a movie for no reason, because who would do that? Right. Who would do that? But I, I love the idea that this was a Tommy Lee Jones kind of character mismatch where they yeah. wrote Hobbs for Tommy Lee Jones and then, and then subbed in a huge Simone guy. Right, right. Um, I, I think Fast and Furious has one move. Um, either they write roles for certain characters and cast huge Samoan guys, or they write roles for huge Samoan guys and then just cast a huge uh, white guy. <laughs> yeah, no. Because I, I want to talk about Ames later on that, my theory on Ames. I uh, would love to talk about Ames. Uh, but no, I, I actually kind of love what it does for Jace Momoa, because if you wrote that to type, he would be a laconic, brooding, very physically imposing powerful gravelly right uh which for what it's worth the most interesting thing about hobbs's character is inherited from the tommy lee jones because to make a through line he is kind of like quippy and somewhat effeminate and there's a lot of stuff he inherits from it being written by a more like quote normal person right and to have someone as physically imposing as call drogo as aquaman as jace momoa for this character that's very like lithe jumpy slidey jokerish you get this like really magnetic screen presence where jason momoa is like giddy and like sliding across the screen and like jumping and throwing his arms wide before and can't fight he doesn't fight he he gets the shit kicked out of him like i i love this characterization like someone can be big and they can also be like vicious and weird and knife licky in a very anime way. Yeah, I, I really actually like that a lot. I really enjoyed a lot of the details of his character. I think he did bring a lot of uh, what? What was the word? Pastiche. Yeah. Oh, um, he had a uh, pa- bad boy with panache. Panache. I think he brought panache. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna argue with Jace Momoa. I don't think he was a bad boy with a little bit of panache. Oh, yeah. I no. think he was a very bad boy with a lot of panache. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think it was spot on with that terminology. Um, I mean, this is a man who paints his fingernails different colors, who talks to corpses, like mm-hmm. absolutely nailing the Joker-esque description we're giving him on the head. I really enjoyed the casting and the performance of Jason Momoa's Dante Reyes. Yeah, he did so good. I, I think, and then... The only thing I, you know, have a problem with, technically, is I kind of already alluded to it. 
the cipher stealing out of cipher's tech to accomplish all of his stuff yeah. meaning he brought nothing to the table other than he kidnapped some families post cipher people are just inheriting cipher's shtick yeah post um, the introduction of god's eye everyone right. is just inheriting because it's it, it it's Unless the movie that introduces God's Eye is literally the last movie, it's the reason why the ability for Batman to see every single resident of Gotham at all times through his like NSA surveillance network was destroyed at the end of the movie. Right. Because if you have that, you can't come back from that. God's Eye is a blight on the franchise. It is. It um, is. I don't like its inclusion in this movie. Like, it does... I guess enable certain things like Mrs. Nobody finding Vin Diesel, but honestly, she's Mrs. Nobody, so if she did that without God's Eye, I wouldn't have questioned Yeah, it. the agency is just CIA, NSA. You could have hand-waved that and been like, right. our contacts told us that Dominic yeah. Toretto is in Rio. I mean, honestly, she could have just known the bartender. Like, I, that would, yeah. that would, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. I think God's Eye does do a good thing for Ramsey's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nat, Nat, is it Natalie with an H? Uh, yeah, it's Natalie. Natalie Emanuel's character, Ramsey. It gets her a good sort of ethical quandary. Like, yeah. this is the technology I invented. Mm-hmm. Now it's being used to hurt everyone around me. Like, that's kind of a neat moment that is given maybe half of a breath to, to, to really, like, live. And then we move on to the next set piece. But other than that destroy it destroy god's eye honestly i feel like if a government agency had access to to that technology in a world of fast and furious where super criminals can just like march wherever they want i feel like they would destroy it anyway to be like well this shouldn't fall into the wrong hands yes i feel there is a moment that's delivered with some amount of weight near the end of the movie where uh Totally forgot her character's name, but Natalie Emanuel. Ramsey. Ramsey. Where Ramsey says with like some amount of import that she wants to destroy God's Eye. Yeah. And I feel like that is going to happen in the next movie. My argument should have happened two movies ago. It should have. It should really have already <laughs> have happened. Yes. Because it has been the the crux of these movies since then. It's a, it's a bummer that this movie relies so much on it. Because honestly, if, if you look at the, the thing... Also, this if we are talking about the character of Dante Reyes, what I like about Dante Reyes is I think they made a point early in the movie. Also, I think this movie in a good way gets it. Like, it kind of gets what's going on. It comments on some things that are yeah. incongruous with reality. Because Ames, Alan Richson, who I love dearly, uh, says that it doesn't matter who you are. Cop criminal if you come in contact with dominic toretto you join his family yeah i I, there are a lot of really great call out moments that i like uh a a lot of them delivered by ames Mm -hmm. you know they've done everything in cars that you could do like like the base and like he's got a crew that'll follow him to hell and back like i'm paraphrasing but like Mm -hmm. i know exactly i want to get into that um but yeah uh i think it like you say this movie really does get it yeah. Uh, even in the opening run with the, the bomb heading toward the Vatican, mm-hmm. Dante points out, like, hey, that was kind of like uh, you and your safe, only mine was on fire. Like, yeah. it, it's kind of like we're doing callbacks, we're pointing, we're nudging, we're winking at them. Ain't everything, like, everything in that opening scene of Ames is also like, yeah. hey, we're rewarding you for seeing these movies. I'm sure you've been saying mm-hmm. this to your friends. We're now putting it in the universe. Yeah. 
You can't have a movie series that goes for 13 installments now without doing... You can't have it be successful without doing clever intertextual humor. Yeah. And that's what they've started doing finally with this, the 10th slash 13th movie. Yeah, I mean, they gave us a taste of it. Like, it's not, it's not woven throughout. It, yeah. It, it's not like watching the Mario movie and like smiling, well, for me, smiling the entire time at all the references. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a 40-year franchise. Yeah, you can do that in something like Mario where something can just happen in the background. Exactly. But for this, like, to call attention to it in part through the course of the movie, I think it is totally fine. What I appreciate about Dante Reyes as a character is I hope, especially now that we're coming up on the end of the series, they are making an antagonist that is familia-proof. So, this is, Ideally. What, this is what I want to get into. Because while he does need Cypher's, like, tech to pull off his plan, he has a really solid plan. He knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like Ames. Like, he's studied these guys for ten years. He knows their exploits. And he knows Dominic Toretto's strength comes from his crew. Mm -hmm. So what does he do? Immediately label, like, brand his crew international criminals. Put them on the run. Make them go to ground. They cannot get in touch with him. Yes. Uh, he baits Letty on a chase that separates her from Dom mm-hmm. and ends up with her getting captured and him yep. going scot-free. Yep. Uh, and I guess he goes after Brian, too? I guess. I guess he, like... I think there's a couple throwaway lines about Brian, which yeah. I, I was concerned we'd get into, like, deep fake territory, but we never did. Oh, I am the son. Oh, that Brian. His yes. son's name is Brian. No, I do I do appreciate the nod toward uh Paul Walker's character. Yeah. I appreciate um, when they bring up Brian, they're like, ah, oh, he's doing something else. Right. And just move past it. Exactly. I do like that. But then like I think Dante makes some threat like, oh, we're gonna go after your family. And even mm-hmm. though we just met Dominic Torres' mom. Yes. And ostensibly she could come back. Uh-huh. No, we're talking about you can't go after Dom's mom. It no. just it isn't done. It hasn't been done before. It's like it's like going after Shaw's mom. You just don't do it. You don't do it. She's Helen Mirren. She's Queenie. She like rules the underworld or yeah. whatever. You don't go after. Except her. it is implied they do it, and then that makes him very upset. <laughs> that, was, that makes Shaw very yeah. upset. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm talking about Brian Toretta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and goes after. I I think the kind of the crux of his action against Dom is threatening brian yes which kicks off once again returning to the four parts of the plot yeah the jacob brian toretto of it all but yes dante's plan separate dom threaten his family render him basically helpless Mm -hmm. and helping out any of the people that he cares about and continually showing up to challenge dominic wherever he is whatever he's trying to do and then in your face I'm going to say flamboyant, but not in a stereotypical way. Yeah. I, I did have some thoughts, hopefully, that it's not offensive. He takes... Dante has some effeminate qualities. There, there is a... And I'm sure you're familiar with this, and this isn't news to you. Uh, but just to show you that I'm cool with the language, I think that it is a thing that is very common in Hollywood. Yeah. A lot of villains end up being, like, queer-coded. Yes. Like, they end up having, like, painted nails, being somewhat effeminate, and I think that uh, Dante is absolutely queer-coded. 
Is that now is that bad? Bad. Uh, the I think the argument against queer coding is that it's typically done to villains to make them seem like other transgressive. I don't know. I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing, but used oh, exclusively yeah. for villains, you kind of gotta wonder why you that's do. the case, right? You're not supposed to be rooting for that. That it, yeah, it's an interesting thing we could dive into more mm-hmm. later. But I think as it stands, Dante is the smartest. Fast and Furious villain, other than he forgets to take his car away. He forgets yes, to take Dominic Curtis' car away. But yeah, he at every step, he's he's isolating, he's threatening, which brings us to the Rio scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta have a car scene Got in each one of these scene. movies. Absolutely. The more, the further we get into 2020s, uh-huh. the more it feels gross. To have car scenes, yeah, yeah, they they should throw some Priuses in there. We're we're we're, well, we're going to get into the treatment of women later, mm. Um, mm. because I see what you mean. Not the not the fossil fuel consumption. No, but the welcome to Rio, baby. Yeah, um, just full upskirt. <laughs> since I've you know now I go to these movies with my wife, mm-hmm. and uh, every time one of these scenes comes on, she's like, uh yeah, yeah, I, I, she's like. She says it's like you gotta have this scene, and then once she says that, and this is not like I'm not complaining. I'm not trying to complain, but like it makes you hyper aware of what mm-hmm. is on the screen, and what is on the screen is a camera that never pans above the waist of a woman. Yes, it, we we get the butt count. The butt, this, it's off the, the charts we, in this we, one. We we get the we get the butt cam that scans yeah. across the butts. I feel like it's more egregious in this one than it's been in the past like three combined. I hear me out. I'm hearing you. I love it. It's bad that it's there, but I love that in this potentially the penultimate Fast and Furious movie. They're like, we're gonna have. A race meetup scene, and we're gonna do it one hundred and ten percent. We're gonna have everybody pointing guns at each other. We're gonna have people talking about pinks. We're gonna have people bragging about their cars. We're gonna have people hitting the nos too early. Once again, this yeah. movie gets it sometimes it in unspoken ways, and I feel like this car scene totally got it. It's a relic from the past. It should be gotten rid. But if they're gonna do it, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I- to me, it felt. It felt like maybe like if today Clint Eastwood would do a western. Yes, you know, it felt like we've seen this. It's played yeah. out. There's no other move. The smart, I, I think, a move they could have done. I thought about this while it happened because they did play it largely straight with the modifier that it's all part of Dante Reyes's game. Once again, he's going after something that Dom loves. Because he's like, we're in the midst of the thing you love the most, racing, and I'm going to force you to make an impossible choice because an innocent person will die if you don't. Right. No matter what, an innocent person will die, but you have to choose. Right. Uh, which I And also, he uh, really lucked out by choosing the person who advanced the plot <laughs> rather than that one guy. Yeah, that one guy who was given a lot of importance. I don't know who that is. No idea. Yeah. I do... Okay, a really great moment. A really good, like, fan... Like... Nodding at the fans. This is the first villain in the history of the franchise that cheats yes. during our race. Yes. Which makes him, in the context of Fast and Furious, 
an abomination. He, what I, what I like, this, this is something that I think you alluded to earlier. What I do like about the, and we could talk about Dante Reyes for the whole episode. We're gonna keep doing it. What I like about his character is that this movie is home to some of the worst writing I've ever seen. But in writing this character, they made a character who breaks. Once again, you can't have a 10th slash 13th movie without having some intertextual awareness. So to make a character that breaks all of the established rules is the only way to make a truly effective villain. Like, as this series is about to end, you have to have a character who cheats at racing, indiscriminately kills people, indiscriminately kills members of the main cast, presumably. Like, you have to make it feel like none of the rules apply to this person if you want an effective villain. Right. And, and they do. And to continue the, the argument that Dante Ray is, is like, it's very smart and he's isolating Dom, he clocks that Dominic saves the girl. Mm-hmm. And, like, he sees them, I guess, have a moment. So what does he do? He goes after the girl. Yeah. And and what, what does the girl do? She doesn't go into hiding. That is a small... She should go in the hiding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also... I also, do... quick quick shout out to the transporter. In the transporter, a car has a bomb placed on the bottom of it that has to get knocked off by another car. Pulling out the Louis Leterrier oh, The rule book. book. Just the knock... playbook. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, I do have to applaud uh, Fast X for continuing the tradition when they've killed off a character... Conveniently, that character uh, has a sibling. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's great that we find out that character has a sibling through a new superpower that Dom has developed between the last movie and this one, which is he is always looking at a picture that advances the plot or tells you what he's thinking. Yeah. He is always looking at a at a picture that communicates everything you need to know. He has a great ability to advance the plot through looking at pictures. It, it's amazing because like he just shows up at this random girl's apartment and we're wondering who she is. He walks in and just immediately zeroes in on Elsa Pataki's character. Yes. Elena? Elena, sure. Elena, who was a cop in Rio in Fast Five and his love interest in that movie because, of course, we remember Letty was Deddy. Of course, Letty was Deddy. Forgot all her memories. Yeah, his baby mama. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, I was not screaming at the screen, but it takes a really long time for Dom to, sh- to like to mention. Oh, by the way, you have a nephew. Yes, he's alive. He's a very long time. <laughs> a very, by the way, you know, I know I you and my you and your sister, me and your sister, <laughs> almost had a like thing. They, almost like they wrote that scene without him mentioning it, and then on a second pass, like he's got to bring it up. You gotta, yeah, you gotta. I I do appreciate that. Um, Helena's sister's character, uh, unerringly throughout the entire movie, is dressed like she's in Too Fast to <laughs> Like, I don't know what the weird throwback to the early 2000s with all of her outfit choices is. It's got to be intentional. Uh, but it continues through the entire movie. Yeah. So even in the... With the understanding that Dom is making new allies... Uh, Dante Reyes is so adaptable that he takes them out too. He yeah. uses them as pawns, shoots Mrs. Nobody with a sniper rifle, or like has a guy do it. Yeah. There's always a convenient helicopter. There's movie. all, yeah, absolutely. And then also uses, uh, I don't know her character's name, but Elsa Pataki's sister. <laughs> uh huh, neither do I. 
uses her as like a pawn, you know, threatening her life to mm-hmm. to further commit suffering onto Dominic Toretto, even in like the new. Because, like Ames said, anyone who comes into contact with him yeah. joins his side. So it's like, even if you're trying to, like, shore up support. Yeah. He's like, support. I, I know you spent four hours yeah. with this person, so I bet they're part of your family now. Right, exactly. Uh, you, you, you made eye contact with her before the race. Yeah. She's dead. It can, it can but feel, she lives. It can feel like bad writing sometimes to have a villain that you can't get the upper hand on. But in this case, it works because this movie is... Decidedly dark and yeah. futile. It never feels unearned, weirdly enough, even though he is everywhere with an all-powerful technology and there's always a, a convenient helicopter with a sniper rifle. Like, even in the face of all these things that feel unfair, it comes off alright? It. I think it's a lot to do with his personification of the character. Because it just feels like, oh, this seems like a guy who would have figured this out. Yeah. Like, his, his, his performance makes him seem like a, a very capable, deranged guy who wants, like, one thing and is, is very good at getting it. I think it's performance and backstory. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, at the opening of this episode... Because he had ten years to figure it out. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, like, I, I kind of, like, I don't know. I, I poo-pooed, I guess, the, uh, the, the them showing us that he was there on the day... Of the safe heist. But I think what that really does is cement that he was there. He felt the pain immediately. This wasn't like he was handed a letter by some goon and learned secondhand. Like, no, he felt that pain. I think maybe it caused him to go a little unhinged. Like, that was like his Joker moment. Yeah, he got Joker-fied. He got Joker-fied. And for ten years, he's been studying everything. He knows exactly what to do. Hats off for the first time since Cypher Mm -hmm. to the villain. Yeah, this is um, the second good villain, I think, in all of these movies. Yeah. I mean, Hernan Reyes, sure. But that's just because the movie well, in general was good. It, it's like the you know the guy who's Casino who the Robin in Ocean's Eleven. Like, we, we don't really need him to be a bad guy. Yeah. We can, you can just tell us he's a bad guy. The point of the movie is the heist. Yeah. More so. Um, I had a thousand points in my head. I mean, that's fair. I, I'm glad that we gave Dante Reyes his due, because probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, something that kind of... So we, we discussed that this is like a Dom-centric adventure. Yeah. I was just generally not a fan of the hijinks that the actual, like... Fast and Familia got up to in this movie. Like, it didn't have a ton of weight. I mean, it all starts. They're all in Rome. Yeah. Also, real quick, jumping back to Dante Reyes as a character, blows up the Vatican. He doesn't. And he he damages the Vatican. A little. The bridge to the But Vatican. he wanted to blow up he the Vatican. He wanted to blow up the Vatican. Yeah. Uh, because he's the devil. Oh, we're going to get into it. We're, we're going to get into it. it. But uh, he wanted to blow up the Vatican, which rules as a thing. Because it's not like his plan is to blow up the Vatican. His plan is going sideways. And then he's like, what? he literally says, oh, what should I blow up? Oh, the Vatican. Yeah. Like, what's in my path? The Vatican. Uh, yeah, his plan was just for them to get caught hauling a bomb yeah he he really is fast and furious joker he does the most joker things in the most fast and furious way yeah which i really appreciate 
but also, jumping back to his character, I'm a little concerned that they might want to familiify him because there is one. You see the explosion in Rome, and you know that people had to have died. Innocence. There is a second where someone says either like casualties minimal or no casualties. First of all, no fucking way. And also the rest of the movie is written such that it is heavily implied that many people died during that act. Like it, It's to be assumed. I, I am afraid they're trying to like whitewash him, but also he kills a bunch of other people. I so. don't think so. I, I, Maybe they did that because they don't want a body count on Dom's hands because he's the one who made the decision to blow it up in the river. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'm I don't know. I think I think this might be it. I think I hope so. I think this might be. I don't know if they're going to bigger fish him. I truly want them to go out with him being yeah. the villain. Uh because he's great. But the the familia when they're all together in Rome for this kind of fake mission, agency mission. That's yeah. like the one time where like they're really singing, right? Like, Roman's doing his thing, he's in the gold Lambo, he put Han, Han's doing a great job in this movie, uh, if Han wasn't written in a way that his character totally gets it, the way that Sung Kong is portraying Han makes it seem like he is just him in the movie. Yeah. It's it's really good. He totally gets what's going on. I really like Han, and in contrast to everyone in this movie, Han, his laid-back attitude on yeah. anything... Going to, like, get the help from the guy who tried to kill you. Mm-hmm. And he's just cool with it. Like, he re- This is one of my favorite movie moments in the movie. He reaches into his leather jacket to pull out a snack. Yeah. Because every time Han is introduced to people, he's eating a snack. Yep. Once again, this movie gets it. Yep. Uh, but no, that's like the one moment to me where they're like really singing because you got the gold Lambo totally on brand for Roman. You got Han and the Alpha because like Roman wanted to fuck him over, but Han's a street racer and knows how to race in cities. So the Alpha works for him better than the Lambo or classic Fast and Furious yeah. familiar stuff. And then just from there on out, they meet Pete Davidson, who I hated and hate. The only thing that I like that Pete Davidson was in recently is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I feel like he did a really good job there, but otherwise I just don't like him because he just doesn't act and it feels disrespectful. I get that. I mean, this movie gives you a reason to hate him, too, because he, he turns on him like immediately. Totally unnecessary scene, too. Yeah. Like, nothing is established there. Han doesn't even stay high off of that muffin for no. longer than that one scene. Yeah, cut that scene and have him go straight to Shaw, and mm-hmm. maybe it's a little stronger. I guess they just wanted, one, yeah. to pad the time, yeah, and then, two, give them something to do in between. But I, I, I feel like Han trying to bury the hatchet with Shaw because they're in a desperate like mode yeah really good idea yeah and then having them be interrupted by agency goons that they now have to fight off super good execution of that scene no i i totally agree i think that to to me that scene is separate from like the familia doing familiar yeah no i get that i i loved the but then that's shahan thing and that's also their fight rules their fight is way too short i know Um, it's really good but then that's the end of their involvement. They mm-hmm. get on a plane, they fly toward coordinates, and then yeah, they're Shaw um, realizes that his mother Magdalena might be targeted on all of this and takes off. Queenie, Queenie Magdalena, is that her real name? Her real name is Magdalena. I think. Oh, 
Okay. But uh, Queenie re- realizes that Queenie might be in peril, says, I'm going to start digging some graves, takes off with uh, some pretty cool guns. Oh, really? I, you got to love a good, like, throwing things into a bag. Oh, yeah. And then when I'm, this is. Uh, this is an unfortunate thing that we won't get into in the podcast. This movie actually had a really great eye for guns. Oh, there man. are really cool guns in this movie that go, it's fine. We won't get into it. I think guns a, are cool. I don't want to own one. I know. And kind of a gun movie. And one of the cars has guns. Has guns oh on Oh, my God. Uh, a weird moment where, like, the uncle is like, hey... Eight-year-old, ten-year-old, let's say four, 13 at the minimum-year-old nephew... Pull this trigger and kill these people. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I don't know. We're going to go long so we can talk about the Jacob Toretto of We're it all. We're talking about it all, dude. Didn't, didn't love a lot of the stuff the familiar did. I feel like our Ted Roman back and forth, which is an established thing now for about five <sighs> movies. I f- I, it was kind of weak. Kind of the best zinger was the only thing you know about Rome is Roman noodles. Like, yeah. Whatever. I... Roman had a lot of cash, so it it just kind of it, so it felt s- like the B plot of the B plot. I'm so sad about the like for it, so many movies now. It's like they're the comedic foil in a Shakespeare play. Yeah, it's like they're they're doing a parody of themselves. Yeah. Even yeah. like at one time they were like honored members of the crew. Every one of them, except Roman, has, like, serious baggage. With yeah. Them. Like, every one of them is a very self-serious character with a very serious arc, except Roman. Uh, so, I'm like, I just don't get why. It's their Tedge, I guess. They're accessories. Yeah. Uh, Dante wants Dominic to suffer. Mm-hmm. They're accessories of the suffering. They're the targets of, like, oh, they're branded criminals now. But they're not my focus. Yeah. I'm going to mess with them like one time and then the agency... I'm going to force them to go to ground and then I'm going to leave it. Yeah. This this faceless agency goons are going to like track them and that's it. Mm-hmm. it. It doesn't feel like they're part of the main movie. Yeah. And it... that hurts a fan who... Fast Five, again, the greatest one of these movies, everyone is gearing it That's toward... why Fast Five is so good, because when they're all on screen together, you feel the full weight of these characters right. and their arcs coming together, and they do something together that rules. And the heist movie format really highlights that. This person is brought in for this reason. Yes. And then that writes itself. We get to see them do that skill in the heist. Yes. Like everybody has a role and a part. It's, they're all singing together. Mm-hmm. It gels. Ever since that heist movie, they've never done a heist movie again. And it's just like, oh, yeah, they're all part of the Familia now. Yeah. They're all great drivers. Uh, Tej does hacking. Roman uh-huh. is there. Ramsey does hacking. hacking. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like we want them all there because they're, they were in the last movie, but we don't have character arcs for them. Yeah. We have jokes like Tedge and Roman have good chemistry. That's kind of it. Yeah. Ramsey is there. She was in Game of Thrones. As of the last movie. Well, I mean, in the last movie, Han is given a decent amount of weight. But in this movie, it's like Han's quiet. And yeah. Han's snacking. It, it hurts to see them like this because they can bring... I even felt in one of the reasons why I really didn't like F9 The Fast Saga... 
was because, like, oh, Roman and Tej go to space. Yeah. And that was given the importance and the weight of a wet balloon. Yeah, to, to be fair, it could be worse than it is in this movie in that it could be like F9. Yeah. Because F9 was just straight up insulting with the treatment of a number of these characters. Exactly. I heavily hope that that balance tips because, like... By the end of this movie, not to uh, jump to that conversation, but by the end of this movie, Dom's in dire straits. He's going to need help. It's It's got to be on the Familia Mm -hmm. to step up. I would hate to see the treatment of Dom getting out of his, like, rat corner of a a terrible fate by himself. Yeah. Because that's what these movies are about. The moment that made you almost cry and... Fate of the Furious yeah. is when they all shield Dom from an atomic blast with their cars. Yeah. I I think that Fate of the Furious, great villain, largely like a dog shit incomprehensible movie. But the best moment is when it's like, oh, all of these people still care about each other. Yeah. They can still save each other. Like, it's the coming together that makes these movies feel really powerful. It's been missing for a number of movies, and, and it's a shame. Absolutely. And... Similarly, I think John Cena is singing in this movie. This is he the is. fourth part of the plot. This is the yeah. D story. Yeah. But John, I just want to get... I John Cena has come into his own as if a performer. Th- this, is a, this is a thesis I came up with while I was watching the movie. And uh, where, where we have seen Vin Diesel degrade in performance quality over time with these movies uh john cena of course his career has like real his career as a film actor and television yeah. actor has really blown up in the last five years uh amazingly starting with an amy schumer movie uh where he did like a really good job yeah <laughs> and people were like oh this guy is huge and can act let's get him in everything uh but his career is like really blown up and he is given what I think is actually the weakest plotline of this movie, but through his through sheer force of John Cena's will alone, is maybe like the second best plotline in this movie because he's like he really gives it his all. He does. And watching anything John Cena related, especially the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, yeah, uh, Peacekeeper, Peacemaker, Peacemaker, Peacemaker. Uh, dude cares. He cares a lot. Acts his ass off and knows what his niche is and can, like, really... Wrestlers are good actors if they yeah. reach a certain level of prominence. Yeah, he, he does the work. I feel like he does the background work. I feel like he, he, like he knows the motivations. He never... I don't think he ever approaches a scene without having done the homework. I think John Cena shows up to every set on book, but has smart ad-libs. No, I, and I think, I think he shows up knowing all of his lines, and also is able to, like... I think he is probably the perfect actor to work <laughs> with. He seems like a joy. He, he, he's a person who I, I believe, honestly, that, like, in his margins of his script, he has written, like, notes as, like, this is why this character is saying that. Yeah. Like, this is why this is happening. Um, I, I can't sing his praises enough. Yeah. I, but yes, I don't. Bu- I don't buy for a second that he sacrifices himself to give them more time. Really, don't. that is. Th- this is. I honestly believe this must be like a con- contractual thing. Like mm. maybe his schedule was full; he couldn't come back for another movie, mm-hmm. and so this was his out. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yes, or the ultimate theory we will get to later. <laughs> 
uh, which I, if, okay. if you don't know where I'm going with this, it's, well, it's going to be great. I might. All right. So I really enjoy, I don't know if we need to talk about things we enjoyed, but the air, airport scene, carrying the kayak the entire way yep. for it to reveal, reveal that it's a plane. Yep. Um, oh, the when he goes out, it's like, oh, this cool, like, Dodge Ram Warlock edition <laughs> lifted is yours. No, it's right. a 90s Mustang with yeah. a kayak on top. Amazing. Also, cool John Cena side detail. He exclusively drives Honda Civics. Amazing. He's like, they're fast, they're manual, they oh, get good he, gas mileage. He drives a sport version. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a car guy, but he's nice. like, I drive Civics, because like... They're cheap, they're fast, they get good gas mileage. That's really cool. What, what, what do you want? I feel like they basically like wove that into mm-hmm. the, the script then. Um, no, really good moments. And him with a kid, I mean, he's one of the most uh, make-a-wish people of all time. Yeah, very smart pairing him with a kid. Really allows him to like sing. Uh, I know we keep saying sing a lot. I know. I, but I, he really only sings in the intro to Peacemaker. He sings in this movie. Oh yeah, he does to the ra- he, yeah he to does. the tape player yeah uh, good vibrations or whatever I don't I don't remember I, I don't have an ear for music um I guess we got to get to the to the meat to uh, the meat to the meat <laughs> to now the, that we've been talking this for to the aim- this for an hour I'll I'll get to the aims of it all uh huh I think that oh role, that's the meat I think that I think Ames's role the character of Ames and, and Jamie helped me with this. I think that was Hobbs. What? I think that role was written for Dwayne Johnson. You almost have... You know, it's just hitting me now. I think totally. Outside of the insert shot of... I almost feel like Brie Larson's character was maybe written for a different person as well. But I don't know. There's this insert shot that's totally away from the main action that introduces Alan Richson as Ames and Brie Larson as like tiny yeah. lady nobody. Mrs. Nobody. Oh, and shout outs to little nobody who survives maybe five minutes of this movie. Uh, once again, Brie Larson uh, truly loves some things that she does. Shotgun cock. The shot. <laughs> That it's actually one of my favorite scenes in this movie is where like she cocks a shotgun and is like shots and he like yeah. she says it like so like quiet and Brie Larceny love it yeah uh, but no I totally get where you're coming from because if you, the the insert shot with them against a green screen I was like this feels like it was ho- like shoehorned in to establish these as characters so the rest of the movie can continue yeah. I, all of the lines that Ames said that we applaud mm-hmm. makes more sense to me coming from Hobbs. They sound very Hobbsy for sure. And I, I he's been set up as like kind of an agency guy, mm-hmm. and like I feel like he could be convinced that like oh god, like this entire time he knew they were criminals. Yes, he gave them the benefit of the doubt. Uh huh. He always tries to rein them in. Yeah, I feel like he would be sort of like a good. And tag, the only problem is, for me, with that theory is that that 180 switch at the very end of the movie, the yes. weakest part of this movie is the stupidest twist uh-huh. that Ames is revealed to have been on Reyes' side the entire time. It's really, it's really shoehorned in. They go back, they add Ames back to the, yeah, I they see They go that. back to the, fe- you know, the, the well that they opened the movie with. Yes. <laughs> Add them back. Got more water out of it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no. I I, I I certainly hope they don't do that a third time in the movie, particularly after the credits. 
Yeah, no. But I, I, honest, I honestly, like, gun to my head, believe that that was supposed to be Dwayne Johnson as Hobbs and the Ames role. And they had to they had to do some rewrites and some reshoots at the end when when they couldn't make it work be, for whatever reason. Uh huh. I guess my question is, what would be the play in replacing Hobbs with Ames? The only one I can think of is the betrayal is in the script. Yeah. And Dwayne Johnson didn't want to do that. Maybe, maybe so. Um, I. So in this theory, for this theory to work, that betrayal can't be in the script. Yeah, so if that's that, totally fair. If that betrayal is in the script, this just holds no water. Yeah, I just think Hobbs is like, well, he's always the cop. Yes, he's never been like the cop and the villain. Yeah, so like he's, I honestly feel like for the agency to to turn on Dom and the crew that hard. Yeah, and that quickly, like mm-hmm. on a dime. Yeah. It's either someone who is fundamentally ingrained in the system because they've been there the entire time. Yeah. Or they're secretly in on it as Ames is. So, like, either one could work. And and I see both being reasons why Dwayne Johnson would not want to do it. Both of them would be weird about his brand. Or maybe he was just busy and didn't want to be in this movie. My personal theory is that Dwayne Johnson, and you can look back... Really thought he was going to be the driving force of the DC universe. Mm, oh, Black Adam flopped. Black Adam, mm. he was in the Super Pets movie. He really thought he was going to build us up between, uh, like, a, a Dwayne, uh, sorry, uh, um, Black Adam versus Superman. Like, that was yeah. going to be the crowning achievement of the DC. Mm-hmm. James Gunn gets the reins of the DC, you, mm-hmm. uh, and meets with Dwayne. Johnson and tells him we're not going forward with that direction. Suddenly he's back in. Yeah. To Fast and Furious. Yeah, because I imagine with Black Adam on the horizon, a role he's been wanting to do for 10 plus years. Yeah. You have to imagine he's like, I don't care about this feud with Vin. He's hard to work with. Uh, so maybe I don't have to be in this movie. Supporting evidence for this. Mm hmm. The beef, the beef, the beef the that beef, led the to beef, this movie. Beef. That he wasn't going to be in the movie at all. Yeah. Vin Diesel even did like a kind of manipulative but sort of heartfelt plea on his mm-hmm. Instagram. We've, t- we've covered it. Yeah. Wasn't in the movie at all. Suddenly is in a post credit scene. Suddenly is in a very phoned in post credit sequence. Yes. Yeah. And then, I, you don't know this yet. There is going to be another Hobbs movie. Oh, boy. A standalone Hobbs movie. Great. Not a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw. A sequel to the movie we are talking about that is going to set up Fast 11. Okay. So this is the third movie? I don't know. Oh, so there might be a Hobbs movie. There might be. A second part to Fast X and a third part to Fast X. I am not clear on that at all. But you wouldn't abandon a franchise wholesale yeah and then suddenly agree to be in a post-credit scene and get your own movie Mm -hmm. unless like something else fell through and i mean it's worth noting that like the it wasn't like a dwayne the rock johnson renaissance but it was a dwayne the rock johnson frenzy that lasted damn near 10 years and black adam really slowed that down it honestly i didn't see the movie uh, I, I saw it. It's truly awful. I very bad. Though they do fight the devil, which is fun. 
Uh, I mean, the sad part is like that movie has a lot of characters I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Adam, uh, Doctor Fate, mm-hmm. not Hawkman, never Hawkman, never Hawkman. Sorry, but like uh, uh, the like the Justice League of America, like the, yeah, that crew. I have a, I have a soft spot for. Mm-hmm. I will. I probably will never see that movie. Uh, it's truly awful. It's very yeah. very bad in basically every way. I. This is just a personal theory. This is pure speculation. I think Dwayne Johnson went wholesale on DC. Mm-hmm. DC said no, and that now didn't pay off. It didn't pay off. Now he's coming back. Yeah, to the Fast and Furious saga. And honestly, like. I'm a little hyped. Uh, are you are you hyped for him to come back? Or are you hyped for Hobbs? I am hyped for the series to end the way people, the people, the creative forces behind it yes, want absolutely. to end it. I there is no movie, maybe on Earth, I am less excited to see than a standalone Hobbs movie. Yeah. However, the coming together of everyone, including the finale of this movie with Giselle. We'll get to back. It. We'll get to it. But we'll... including that, with everyone being back, yeah. that makes me feel good. Uh, it's like, this is the dumbest comparison I can make, it is like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where they, got, they redid every deal with every other company and brought back every character. Yeah. I want them no to... No matter how much we pay, no matter the animosity, bring them all in. Yeah. I want them to have the assets available, the actors available, to tell the story they want to tell. And if that means Dwayne Johnson gets a standalone Hobbs movie that we'll go see where he goes up against Jason Momoa, because I think that's what it's going to be. Oh. But, like, he can't bring him down yet, right? Like, if he does, that sucks. He can't. Yeah. I don't know. If I hope I, that doesn't happen. If I have to sit through a frivolous Hobbs movie that is yeah. not a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw, they've made that clear mm-hmm. in interviews, then I will if it means they can end this series the way they designed and desired to from the start. Yeah, it would suck to finish this once the final movie comes out. It will be a 25 plus year journey. Yeah. It would suck to end this. With this thing hanging over our heads that, like, there was some dispute that caused a significant uh, deterioration of the, like, artistic direction of these movies. I totally get it. Now, a fun tidbit about the standalone Hobbs movie. It's going to be written by Chris Morgan. That sounds really familiar. He is the Fast and Furious... Oh, what? ...writer. Okay. Like, he, he is the... Like, the guiding force of these movies. Oh, no. He's written a bunch of them. Wait, did he write the first one? No. Oh, That okay. is, of course, Gary Scott Thompson. Of course. I, I need to look into this because I think there's, like, some weird stuff. There might be. One of the people who wrote one of these movies or directed one. I don't know. This is not the guy who puts himself in his own movies. Oh, then that's fine. Yeah. The guy who puts himself in his own movies had a terrible relationship with his daughter. I think that's Gary's. That must be Gary Scott Thompson. Right? E. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but I don't know. I'll, I'll watch the Hobbs movie. I just don't like movies about big cops. And I also don't love The Rock. We've discussed this. We've discussed this. So, but I, here I'll pause it this to you. What if the standalone Hobbs movie is Hobbs or his names? I would love that. 
Actually, I think that's the only way I'll I'll be tolerant. If if it is, I was actually trying to think of a bad guy who could be like subservient to Dante, knowing that Dante has to be the way has to be the final antagonist. It's got to be Ain. Someone who is subservient to Dante, who would serve as I would love a Dwayne Johnson versus Alan Richson movie so much. Yeah. Because they both fill very similar spots in casting calls is huge, charismatic, good actor in Alan Richson's case. Uh, I, I would be down for that. I would enjoy that quite a bit. Just two huge people fighting like the fight at the end of Metal Gear Revengeance. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just want Here that. Yeah. I stand. I want that. Okay, for those of you who don't get the reference, there's a cyborg ninja punching... Very hard. A, Just to be clear, the cyborg uh, ninja, the least crazy thing you're about to hear. Yeah, there's a cyborg ninja punching with all of his might a U.S. senator uh-huh. who is head to toe, cell to cell, just nanomachines. Yes. And, who is uh, also completely swole and yeah. for, mo- for some of the fight wearing a dress shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and his, his name's Armstrong, so that's right on the nose. Uh-huh, yeah. Anyway. How do... Why? What? I, I'm just saying that's the movie that I want. I do have to pee. We can pause. All right. And we're back. Uh, we took a small break, and uh, I think fans of the podcast will be happy. We grabbed one more Corona each to begin the wrap-up of the discussion of this movie. But much like the movie, uh, once you start drinking these Coronas, you just can't stop. You can't stop talking about it. There's a lot more in this movie than in Fast 9 or F9 The Fast Saga. And also, this gives us a nice opportunity. If there is no Coronas in uh, FF11, which really unfortunately is an MMORPG, uh, if there are no Coronas in FF11... Then uh, we'll just have like one Corona each to be able to bring this baby home. Yeah, that would be great. Unless for some... There was no Coronas in Hobbs and Shaw. No, no Coronas in Hobbs and Shaw. We know in the standalone Hobbs movie, it's just going to be Kona Big Waves. It's Kona Big Waves. There's actually one Kona Big Wave in this movie. Han, for some reason, never drinks a Corona and only drinks Kona Big Waves. I wonder if he's saying something. Maybe. He he can't say it by... Corona. We I, will, uh, however, eat one unseasoned chicken breast <laughs> for every unseasoned chicken. You're yeah. vegan. This joke doesn't track. I have, to, I have to eat egg whites and rockfish. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is rockfish not real fish? It's rocks. <laughs> okay. It's rocks. Anyway, um, unlike F9, there's a lot of meat into this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in part it's because it's not wrapped up. Yes. And in fact, I really hated the cliffhanger ending. This is a... Uh, you know, we haven't had one of these in a long time. I can't remember the last time this happened. This is the summer of cliffhangers. It is. It really is. Yeah. I, I don't... It, and, I, and you know what? I'm kind of here for it. I missed cliffhanger endings in movies. I think it's because I've had two and like two weeks to mm. experience. I'm not going to name the other movie. Yes. But... Having two cliffhanger movies kind of back-to-back has soured the first one for me. I really? I experienced a movie that kind of emotionally... Wait, did you see Fast X first? Yes. Okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because I I feel like the cliffhanger in the second movie we're talking about is very earned and you can see it coming and it's totally great. They wrap up the action of that movie before they say... And they literally say... 
to be continued. Mm-hmm. And Fast X, we literally had like a dramatic ending set piece. It, it is Dom and his son and trucker tanks on fire are careening toward him. And then they cut to Letty and Cypher and the and the Antarctica base as a, a well, the, the fifth plot of this movie actually is the Letty Cypher thing, so there's actually five legs to the plot of this movie. Oh what four. Wait, hold on. Dom, Dom the Familia, the Familia. Jer- Jacob Jacob and Brian and oh, yeah. Letty and Cypher. Okay, so there's four. There's four. But yeah, a submarine pops up, and then, as is tradition in the Fast and Furious movies, a character once thought dead is revealed to be very much alive. Gal Gadot's gazelle and the submarine from Fate of the Furious. <laughs> Two characters we thought were dead, the submarine and Giselle. Pops up, and then it fades, it just cuts the black roll credits. Now, this uh, this does play into something that I texted you in that they made a movie for our podcast. And we'll get into the biggest reason why they made a movie literally yes. for our podcast. But we've been calling for justice for Giselle for quite some time. And we have been relatively unique in that, obviously, Justice for Han. We knew that was going on. We covered Justice for we Han. We covered. But Justice for Giselle, I feel like, is a thing that we identified early. We asked, why is everyone asking for Justice for Han? Where is the Justice for Giselle? And now Giselle is back in, like, a total flop of a reveal at the end of the movie. It's weird. When you ask for something, get it, and you're dissatisfied, it yeah. feels a little greedy. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was just the lamest way possible to bring back Giselle. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, she just pops out of a submarine and does... Gal Gadot is a, is a very talented actress. She does have a go-to move, and it is the silent, toothless smile toward the camera. Yeah. Big, silent, toothless smile toward the camera. She pulls that off like no one else in the business. Yeah. And that is all she does in this movie. Yep. No, no explanation, which I... I have to applaud them for saving, for imparting a large amount of weight in the decision to bring Giselle back. Because only the realest of the real heads would give a shit. Maybe since Gal Gadot is very popular, has arguably the most popular DC movies. uh, Also, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in Wonder Woman 1984. I renounce my wish. Uh, but no, I think that people maybe see Gal Gadot, get excited, but they put that in there. So, like, people who were watching since Fast 6? Well, she was in Fast 4. She was in 4, 5, dies in 6, of course. Oh, yeah, she falls from a plane after getting shot. Unceremony, relatively unceremonious. They don't, they don't mourn for her. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they knew she was never dead. Uh, but Giselle's back, cool. I, I felt bad because I had no idea that Giselle was back in this movie. We've been calling for it for some time. But after the, what should have been the cliffhanger scene with the fire coming down the dam at Vin Diesel, when you see Letty and Cypher walking through Antarctica, in my brain I thought, oh, this is where Giselle comes back. Like I called oh, it you did. before it even happened. Because in my mind I was like, Someone's got to come back. If they're giving an additional scene, there's going to be something really big at the end of this. Okay. And the only person I can think that they could bring back with weight would be Giselle. Because they brought everyone else back. Right. Although, Even the first Shaw has been brought back. <laughs> True. Honestly, yeah. And Fate. 
But, uh, and, and there's one other person who it could have been. And that is Mr. Nobody, who is mysteriously missing. Yeah, if it was Mr. Nobody, it would have been very... I just hope that Kurt Russell just doesn't want to do these movies anymore. Then kill him off. Yeah. Don't off-screen, you know? Yeah. Pull a... No example, fam. Pull a No Country for Old Men. Yeah, pull a... Kill a character off-screen. Is that the... Is that the Javier Bardem? Yeah. Okay, yeah. One of the protagonists is killed off screen. It also happens like... It's off screen in the book. I've seen it. It's a big... It's fine. It's a do-to-do-to-do about nothing. It's a a to-do about nothing. Alright. I don't like... It didn't feel earned. It didn't feel like uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1. Or... I'm trying to think of more movies that were split into two movies. It didn't feel like current Hobbit, movie. the Unexpected Journey, Part One. <laughs> didn't well, honestly, that one did feel a little earned because they got never to... seen it. Only seen the third one. Only seen the Battle of Seven Armies. Gross. I know. All right, but it, it just it didn't feel like this one was wrapped up. And like we, I think for a good cliffhanger, you need to have some idea of like what is to come next. At least the direction. I don't yeah. mean exactly. This one just felt like a literal old-time cliffhanger. Yeah. There's a character hanging from a cliff. Yes. Cut away. There's a a very big difference between a cinematic cliffhanger and a television cliffhanger. A television cliffhanger is predicated on a character being in peril, and you have to wait a relatively short amount of time to see the resolution of the situation. Right. A cinematic cliffhanger is a situation, a world, a bond, a series of characters are in some existential peril, and you don't know how it will resolve. And then you create, you you lay the seeds for the beginning of the next movie. Uh, the a notable exception to this is uh, Infinity War, right? Right. So, but Infinity War, as but it doesn't even do that because people aren't necessarily in peril. That movie ends. That movie, ha- yeah. The logical, not even logical. The the emotional and physical story wraps up. Yeah. It wraps up in the worst, most horrifying way imaginable. Right. Knowing that it's a two-part series, they they don't leave you... They, they don't unresolve an action. It's not as though they cut as he was snapping. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't Like, if happen. he snapped and it went to credits, that's a bad cliffhanger. For right. him to snap on the worst possible thing to happen, that's a good cliffhanger for exactly. a movie. Because it, the universe that you know is under existential threat... And you need to know how that ultimately resolves. Because between movies, there's like at least a year of waiting. It's unfair to have a television-style cliffhanger for a movie that you have to wait a year to see. Right. And just, again, this is unfair to compare it to the other cliffhanger of the summer. Mm -hmm. But that is an animated movie. And they were working on both movies at the same time. Mm -hmm. The wait is going to be very much shortened between this. I think it's only nine months Mm -hmm. as planned. It might get delayed. Probably, in my mind, will get delayed. Making a live-action, big-budget, you know, full, practical stunt movie is going to be a much longer wait time. And it it feels... 
the production cycle is much longer. Exactly. And it's not like they were shooting these movies at the same time. Maybe parts here or there, depending on who they have locked down. But, like... I don't even... Could they have even done that with all the turbulent sort of decisions being made behind the scenes? Probably not. To give We're probably yeah. going to be waiting two years to see the resolution of this scene. Exactly. Exactly. Like... And that puts so much pressure on the next movie unfairly. Yes. Because... You didn't give us the res a resolution. It didn't have to be the. Mm -hmm. You didn't give us a natural feeling ending. It was mm -hmm. set piece after set piece ramping up and up and up with no payoff. Yes. For the entire movie. Mm -hmm. That now what however you start the next movie, we're gonna be kind of expecting hopefully the beginnings of payoff. Like yeah. the there's, or a hint at the beginning to pay off. And, and Something. In a, in a way, this movie did try to do its own Infinity War. Right? Because they did... Yeah. Because... A if, cast of characters fades. If a more capable director or writer had been behind this, they would have delivered the presumed death of every character you love at the same time with tremendous emotional weight. Exactly. In the script, that's it. Yeah. Like, I, I almost feel like in a in a competently written script, that happens. That's the cliffhanger. Assuming you can deliver it with sufficient emotional weight, you really assume these characters are dead. You have no reason to assume they're going to come back. But of course, this is a series that brings people back from the dead when they've right. been unequivocally killed. You need an additional thing. It's hard to write a cliffhanger into one of these movies. And for anyone who with eyes and a brain, they will have realized the characters, once they realized a missile was heading toward them, turned and looked at their cars. Yes. And they've dropped cars from planes before. Hell, they did it in this movie. They've ha It's happened in basically every movie since yeah. 6. I think. Probably. Yeah. I think in one of them it was hyped up as like a really big deal and now it's like old hat. Yes. But it's like, yeah, for all of us kind of in the know, we realize they're going to have been, they're, they're going to have, they're going to be revealed to have been safe the entire time. Mm. But that's not the reality of what is presented. Yes. So. You totally undersell the reality by choosing to f make that movie the way that you did. Exactly. So nothing has weight. If it annoys me that yes. that's how they chose to do this. Yeah. And I get why I they build it as two movies. And I get why they would do this. But if you're not filming them at the same time, you're going to piss off a lot of people. Yes. Now, of course, filming it that way without much weight... You might think, oh, they looked at their cars, they're going to take the cars out of the plane, they're going to rescue them at the beginning of the next movie. If you've got, like, a small, smooth brain, you might think that's what's going to happen. Because, in fact, we know what the next movie is. We, we do, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. This movie told us everything we need to know about the next movie. I'm going to say, when the next movie starts, Dominic Toretto dies. Because? Because this entire movie, in dialogue, in imagery, constantly invokes hell, fire, and death. 
Without fail, the credit sequence invokes Dante Reyes as the devil surrounded by fire as the Toretto cross sinks into the fire, into afterlife, into, say it with me, hell. Yeah, no. Oh, I didn't. I forgot to say it. <laughs> no. This is... If if you're a if you have a little tiny peanut brain, you might think this next movie takes place in the real world. It cannot. No, everyone will die. Everyone will be sent to hell, except for maybe Letty Cipher and Giselle. Yes, and uh, it'll be escaping and racing out of it. We always thought it was Highway to Hell. Yeah, it's Highway from Hell. Highway from Hell. <laughs> yes, they're going to be racing out of hell. Yes. Now th- we the only problem. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. No. No. Uh, so, so the the connection I made earlier in the recording of this episode that you probably already know, Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. The Nine Rings of Hell. Yes, and it's it's once again. I know I said this a couple times before. This is a movie made for this podcast. We have made a lot of jokes over the past few years about one of these movies being set in hell. Yeah, someone who writes these movies has to listen to this podcast <laughs> because i shit you not there's 10 plus references yes. to hell yes. dying like a martyr yep. everyone will die now is the time for death it is yeah if the next movie is not in hell we gar- i guarantee you someone writing these movies listens to this and is fucking with us because it is a constant <laughs> theme they they firebomb the vatican this they, movie is they the most... They save the Vatican. They, they save the Vatican. But they attempt to blow up the... You have this very powerful image of this, like, fire explosion happening in the faith center of the world if you're Catholic, Judeo-Christian. This movie pulls no punches when heavily implying that the future of this franchise is in a Judeo-Christian hell. And I'm not even kidding. I know you're not. Um, I really love... The take that you've taken. Because I, I, I guess, was more grounded in the seemingly realism of the movie. I thought maybe instead of literal hell, mm-hmm. we were... This movie sends us to a metaphorical hell. Yes. Uh, because Dom is alone with his son. Uh-huh. Things careening toward him. His crew is presumed dead. Letty is nowhere remotely be yeah. able to save him. And the ending was so bad, I thought even the audience... Was in hell. Yes. So also, I, for what's worth, during the ending, multiple audience members groaned. In yeah. Life. And, and much like in Fate of the Furious, the bad guy not captured, not yes. brought to justice. So you can see in my notes, I wrote this. Is this our metaphorical hell? Mm. Has Dom been sent to hell in this movie? Yes. Metaphorically. Mm. I like your take. Yes. And I, I so badly <laughs> want it to be true. I, I just think if they were going to do that, uh-huh. Dom would die in this movie. Yeah, that would be the cliffhanger. Is he because he can't just die at the beginning of the next movie? Now, if you were going to do a movie in which characters are sent to hell and must escape, mm-hmm. you would absolutely kill the character in the beginning of the movie. Yes. So that is how you would do that movie for yeah. sure. Yeah. Which gives you credence. Yeah. My, and you, my you're thinking, hyping me up for this. My thinking is, in the beginning of the in the next movie, Dom dies. We cut to Letty, Cypher, Giselle. They have to process the fact that Dom has died. So you need and, to, yeah. And hatch the plan to break them out of hell. Where they are simultaneously 
breaking themselves out of hell. Now, I, I, I understand and respect your take on the movie, okay. which is someone obviously listens to this podcast, knows we have good ideas, and they say, we can't possibly actually send them to hell. We need to create a metaphorical hell. Right. For them. Absolutely. Well, look at their treatment of how they, quote, went to space, unquote, mm-hmm. in which they just went sort of to the edge of the atmosphere. They're known to cop out on things we know are inevitable. Exactly. Because we said the last three movies would be space, hell, hell. heaven. Yes. Of course. Um, I think they're going to sort of ground it in realism, make it a metaphorical hell. Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I didn't ever think of that. But he's authoring Dom's personal hell. Yes. The Nine Rings or whatever. And Dante, of course, wrote Dante's Inferno. Of course, yes. I just... If your version of events happen, we live in a, the most blessed timeline. See, here's here's my thinking. I have been disappointed by franchise <laughs> after franchise. There's, there's no way this actually happens, but... My argument for my proposed resolution to this is that there was a lot of foreshadowing about yeah. hell and demons yeah, yeah, yeah. and dying a martyr. Absolutely. And the movie never made good on any of those. And it mentioned them in tones such that they seemed foreboding of events to come. It To me... It feels, and also, it depends on your read of the credits graphic sequence. Because if you think that it is a, it is supposed to represent everything that's happened in the movie, with the cross descending into the fire, with Dante surrounded by fire, uh, with the the photos of the Familia burning up, literally all of the members of the Familia catching fire... If you think that is supposed to be a standard for the events of the movie, sure. If you think there's supposed to be a grim visual portent for what happens in future movies, they're definitely going to hell. Yeah. I um a few, okay. A few things. Mm-hmm. Dante Dante's still alive in the real world. Yes. Um we got three people alive mm-hmm. in the real world. Uh the the, the girls. Yes. Letty, Cypher, Gazelle. Mm-hmm. The, the Hobbes movie makes this difficult. Well, I'm not even thinking of that. I'm just thinking of them. The crew and Dom are dead. Brian Toretto is also dead. Yes. Which I think sets up breaking into heaven of to course, steal him of back. Of course, of course. Yeah, he's, the the final only, he's the only one who goes to heaven. The final... Yeah. Wait, he's innocent and all yeah. this. He was a cop. Also a good way to bring John Cena back. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's done a lot of this that. This is my argument. I don't think that John Cena went out the way he did... For contractual reasons. You think it's... So I he's think a, he he's the first one to be in hell. Everyone dies of fire. Everyone dies of fire. Everyone dies of fire. Yeah. I think this is... I think this is setting up... He's he's gonna be the guy who, like, when Dom dies, he meets and he's like, oh, God, Jacob, like... And Jacob's like, I got a plan. Yeah. I've no. scoped this place out. Well, ha- time's different down here. I've been here for <laughs> months. I've been here for months. And every member of the Familia is in a different level of hell. And so they got a... They got a heist-like Bring them all together. Roman is, of course, in the circle for usurers because he tried to charge Taj interest on money that he <laughs> oh, So he's in usurers. Okay, Ramsey is in the hell, the ring of hell, where they're they're just not utilized well enough at all. <laughs> yeah, the, the underutilized characters. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Tedge is in the unfortunately one note <laughs> characters. No, no Tedge is in the ring, especially just. 
exclusively for race organizers, and he's like, yeah. I haven't done that in years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a race ring. And, of course, Han is in the ring for snack lovers, the ninth circle. Gluttony. Gluttony, of course. Yeah, gluttony. Yeah. I want this so badly to be true, and I, I need it to be true. But here's a question. If what you're proposing is true... I just... The Dante of it all. He's still alive. Yes. He... Like, and they're... How can you fit in one two-hour movie them busting out of hell and and defeating Dante? Right. That's why the studio looked at the movie and said there need to be three movies. (laughs) In the final movie, after they race to heaven to save Brian Toretto, Uh they take... Finally take down Dante. After they've... They, they have defeated, outwitted the devil, and defied God. Yes. So the this mo- the movie after this, they go to hell, they break out of hell. It's a whole thing. I can't think you, I don't think you can show children dying in movies. No, Brian lives. Oh, he no, lives! I mean, original Brian is killed off screen as, and is in heaven. I was talking about Brian Toretto! No, Brian Toretto lives. How Dom does he live? sacrifices himself. Okay. To save Brian. Brian saved in the clutches of Dante. This is... They break out of hell. I feel like we're, we are in full when I tried to predict what Infinity War was going to be. And it was them on Mars and like a, a speakeasy drinking root beer. <laughs> uh-huh. This is... We are they, in crazy town. They come back from heaven with Brian Paul Walker. He, deep fake. No! <laughs> we wouldn't want that. We don't want it, but Wh- what's going to Why happen? are you putting that out into the world? It's what's going to happen. I'm oh sorry. The technology will be perfect. Because Indiana Jones 5 is going to feature yeah. young Harrison Ford. Brian will be wearing the Apple Vision headset. I don't. The $3,500 <laughs> Apple Vision wearing headset. He'll come back. Now, maybe there are some holes in my theory. But assuming your theory is right... That this is the hell movie. A metaphorical hell. We have to accept that someone writing these movies listens to this podcast. Either that or the universe is just a joke That's I'm writing. Yeah. It's possible that we might be dying and our brains are releasing DMT and this is all an illusion and everything is coming together. I spent the last two hours of my life podcasting about a movie that... I guarantee only we saw. Yeah. The box office of this movie is terrible. The box office is... It, it looks like domestically they're not going to make their money back. Which is going to be the first yeah. time in Fast and Furious history they don't make their money back domestically. Internationally, it's faring pretty well. Yeah. Which is weird. Amazingly, South Korea, huge market for Fast and Furious movies. Just, Fast for, just F- for Han? F9 came out in South Korea before it came out in the United States. Fascinating. Maybe that was like a COVID thing. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. This movie is not doing well. I don't know how many more movies there'll be. The more we talk about it, the more I realize the hell theory might be a little far-fetched. No. It might be. This is the official stance of the podcast, <laughs> Of course it. it is, yeah. We know that these movies will go to hell. But, but the most pessimistic read is we did get our hell movie and we should actually be pretty happy. I think this might be a hindsight thing. I think the opening lines of, or, or you know, the opening lines of our supplemental readings are always the same. Yeah. But the over, the, the the subsequent lines of our next supplemental reading, not the Hobbs standalone movie, but F eleven, FF eleven, the MMORPG, will be. Well, I guess we got our hell movie. <laughs> this must be the heaven movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe the next one will be the heaven movie. 
I can know. guarantee you the Hobbs movie won't be. That's purgatory. That's purgatory, where no one is neither alive nor dead. It's a. It's really a shame because you know I feel like Dwayne the Rock Johnson's talents could be used so much better than fighting a bunch of unbaptized babies, but. <laughs> It's just kind of what we got. Just what it is. It's, it's what it is. It's what it is. It's what it is. Dante unleashes an army of unbaptized babies. And The Rock just has to beat them up. Alright. I got one last thing to talk about. It's very short. And then we'll get into the, the, the end matter. Then we'll get into the meat. The meat <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Nobody visits Letty in the Black Sight uh, prison. And she starts out by saying they can see us, but they cannot hear us. Let me open palm show you I have Dominic Toretto's cross <laughs> in full view of the camera that I know yeah. is there. They can hear us, but not see us. So I'm going to give them all the evidence they need to then pursue us later in the movie. Yeah. They don't e- even in the scene where they're reviewing the footage, they don't even need to hear them. They just see that yeah. and then go. It, it is baffling i have no more comments i just i i have a comment that is specific to that scene and a future scene in the like black site medical wing that uh, i actually think that they're both car movies so i'm not far off track i'm not far off racetrack i think that the fast and furious movies actually follow a very similar rule to the mad max movies in that between movies technology and society advance faster than they do in the real world it tends to be more exponential than linear in so the world we're in in fast x is fully science fiction the black site prison that letty is in has a weird geometric cube door that opens with a weird blue light they're being operated on by blade runner robots society has advanced uh, technology events far beyond the modern world in Fast X. Oh, absolutely! Like it, it's it's the one like location that makes me think that maybe Hobbs and Shaw actually takes place in the, the same universe. Because mm. if you remember Hobbs and Shaw, spoilers for Hobbs and Shaw, we we warned you. Idris Elba is a cyborg. Idris Elba is Black <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Um. So yeah, based on that black site in this movie. Finally, we have we have laid the foundation that Hobbs and Shaw may have taken place in the same universe. The next movie will be the Heaven movie because it will be revealed that there are now sky cities. Oh my god! That people live. (laughs) This is just Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, it's just Tears of the Kingdom. There's gonna be big furry guys. Yeah. Oh, they're dragons. I don't know if that's a spoiler. The immortal dragon from eating the power gem or whatever. Oh, stop it. Cut it. Cut it. What are you talking about? No, nothing. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. All right. Let's get into the meat of these episodes. We've got... We've got two hours left in the episode. A number of criteria to cover. Yes. Uh, Last of all is the ranking. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, we, we usually, we, I forget what they are. I know one is treatment of women. Treatment of women. One is, uh, is treatment of women the same as the problematic score? I think it might be. <laughs> oh no. Okay. So if you remember, we talk about the treatment of women, which is a shame because the first movie has bad treatment of women and it is problematic for other reasons. 
Uh, but we talk about the treatment of women, and we <laughs> say it's either okay, problematic, problematic with a capital P, etc. I'm going to say this movie actually has a treatment of women that is far below the average As of it, the last few movies. It's, it's poorer. It's poorer because yeah. you see all the way up a woman's short, short skirt... And I feel like that woman might be some kind of celebrity, and they're probably fine with it or into it. But there's a big, long butt shot, which, once again, Ugh. I'm into and think is good. But <laughs> from, a, from a treatment of women perspective, I'm going to say this movie is, like, lowercase p problematic. I, I did note in my cast list that there was a, a cast member by the name of Debbie Ryan who plays a character named Debbie Ryan. So that's got to be, like, a person, Right? Right. I don't know who that is. Let's look let's look it up in real time. I'll stall. American actress. Um Disney Channel's nationwide search for new talent. Um that is No, sound there's not right. a lot going on here. How many Instagram followers? Sixteen million followers. For what? I have no idea. This doesn't seem like a fruitful avenue for no, podcasting. It's fine. I will say, okay, yes, the car scene very problematic. The butt cam the butt off cam. the scale. In addition to that, mm-hmm. Dominic Toretto goes from set piece to set piece, doling out patriarchal life yeah, advice, absolutely, to every woman he meets. He, does I mean, the first interaction he has with. Michelle Rodriguez, he listens to her belly saying, is it in there yet? Which uh, is uh, the, (laughs) it is the most direct confirmation of Vin Diesel having unprotected sex with someone for a long period of time (laughs) that we've ever, I mean, he has a kid, but it's pretty gross. Uh, There's that. Uh, When he meets Mrs. Nobody, he basically like, I don't know. She seems to be capable in her own right. We just saw her take down a full bar full of creeps. Mm -hmm. And yet he kind of like talks down to her. He literally tells every woman who isn't Cypher what to do. (laughs) And what really rubs me the wrong way is the little sister of Elsa Pataki's character, Elena, who is his, in fact, the mother of his child. Mm -hmm. And he basically is just like paternal weird like advice to her about living life and like you gotta live your life and stuff which is like that's great but like you're the reason my sister's dead yeah no and then also like you're not around to protect me yeah and you didn't even say like maybe you should go into hiding like you've got to live your life you can't hide anyway later (laughs) you can't hide anyway this this psychopath is after me and he saw me look at you, so he might be around to visit. Don't lock your door. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm gonna say it's 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 is there a, a is there a case a cap a case lock between lowercase and capital? I'm gonna say this is. Uh, you can pick. It's either lowercase p italics problematic or lowercase p bold problematic. I'm going to say lowercase p italics problematic. Yeah. Um, it, it implies a level of problematicness greater than just lowercase p problematic. 
if and I'm just gonna posit this. This is a what ifism. It's not really valuable in and making credential or like a, a a a good faith argument. If Letty and Cipher's scenes were not in this movie, it would be capital it would be P. Absolutely, be capital P problematic. Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, no, Letty and Cipher really buoy the like treatment of women category. I don't think this movie passes the Bechdel test. I know that's not a good like marker for treating your women characters like or like correctly or whatever. You can literally just throw a scene in there mm-hmm. with two women just having a conversation. Just question: Do that... cars count as female? Because if it does, it might. <laughs> I don't like to view womanhood in the in the realm of objects mm. myself okay okay um i think there's a thing called like objectification mm. that is problematic you can't objectify a car you can anthropomorph- anthropomorphize a car into a woman and that's not a problem i guess i do okay th- this is apropos of nothing how does dom's car get to rio <laughs> No idea. It's the same car that he was in the garage. Takes plane. That's what we. That's what we talked about. He drove it there. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, Makes he drove sense. it to Rio. Um, I uh, you could objectify a car, but you can't tune a fish. Also, gotta love that this movie's like my city, my city. Look at my city. We're and not we're in, in Los Angeles for like <laughs> ten minutes. We're gone. <laughs> we're finally back to our roots in Los Angeles. Now we're in the Antarctic, Rio de Janeiro, it, Rome. Yeah. We're all over the place. Fuck it. it. Almost like for half a second, you believe they're about to go jack a car for like VCRs and TVs again. Like yeah. my city, my city. <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're in Rome. My Romy, right, Romy. <laughs> My Romy, uh, my my Vatican City, <laughs> which is not even it's close to Rome, I guess. Yeah, there's nothing left. There's nothing left to do than do. So John Cena just like kills people. It's well, pretretty cool. It's his whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that because they're like, ah, he has killed people in the past. He's part of the familiar. We can just show him murking people like, with a okay. Caltech shotgun. To borrow some nomenclature, some verbiage from the youths, his riz must be off the chart, right? Like, because that, that flight attendant, uh, like, totally on board with his whole shit. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about the fact that he, he powers a jet engine with three air, airplane bottles of Smirnoff. Come on, man. I mean... So stupid. Yeah. I t- okay. Small. I really like the... Um, it's a dumb moment. I shouldn't like it. John Cena's like, oh, to Brian Toretto. Mm-hmm. Don't say shit. You know, you can't yeah. do that. You know, there, there are only like two instances, and then the third instance is like, no, 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 that's okay. Cannon car is... Cannon the, car. Yeah. After I encourage you to kill people, yeah, you can say shit. So, our rankings of these movies, we rank all of the uh, the movies, we, we split the last five minutes of Fast 7 as its own separate thing. We include Los Bandoleros. We, just, we include it all. Los Bandoleros got a shout out in this movie. I'll talk about it. Okay. I'll talk about it. And of course we include the turbocharged pre-sequel to Too Fast, Too Serious. Too Fast, Too Furious. Is that what it's saying? Is it Too Fast, Too Serious? <laughs> too Fast, Too Furious. 
Uh, do you include the ride? Is that where you, where you got 16? No, I don't include the ride, but I include another very canon piece of Fast and Furious lore that we watched all of. That's on your list. Spy Racer. I gotta put that somewhere on my list. I, I I do. I have to do this right now. I, yeah, I no, did not include it. We we watch Spy Racers. We have to. We have to rate Spy Racers. I'm sorry. Uh, I I I should have known, but I didn't. And no, I, it's I, totally I'm, fine. I'm let me up. know if you. Let me know if we need to take a break. No, no, no. I got this. I know exactly where to put it. I've got it. We're writing it right now. It is done. But I did want to preference the discussion of rankings with... I, I reviewed my rankings previously. Mm-hmm. And you expressed this to me off air. Um, were we on crack? Yeah, we were on drugs or something. I, I listened back and I was trying to write down the uh, the movies that I put in order. And I must have been out of my fucking mind... Same! ...to have ranked the movies in the order... Th- given, like... Hindsight, I have no idea why I rated the movies in the way that I did. I I mean, not to go over the full list, but Fast 9, the Fast Saga, F9, the Fast Saga, was fifth on my list. Dog, it was like fourth on my list. It was... What? It was high up there. What? We were were definitively out of our minds. I, I think we were outside of our entire minds. I think it was primacy of recency. We had just seen it. Yeah. It had, this was the first time we had watched a mainline Fast and Furious movie in the theaters and then come back together to talk about it. So, recency bias and also full theater experience yes, bias. Yes, absolutely. This was the first time either of us had seen a Fast and Furious movie in the theaters. Well, I saw uh, I, I saw Fast and Furious in the theaters with my sister. Yeah, I mean, like, in a lo- since we started this thing. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. So, there's nothing left to do in the tradition of the podcast. John will go first. Mm, yes. And his rankings. We always do number one. Of course, to yes. The the, 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 a way to keep people engaged in a 16-part list we, is to start with the best and then go to the worst. The thing is, the, so, the thing is, the first is a given. Yeah. It is the last one mm-hmm. in the rest of the list. Yeah, that then that that's when it gets interesting. That's why I actually think if if we're talking about what's interesting, we should do the first, then the last, and then the middle is actually kind of where things are. You know what? I won't spoil anything. I have gotten shit for this for years. For that, no. I do I do not what? have interesting names. For my list. Oh, yeah, you're right. I've gotten shit for this every time we do this. I've gotten shit for this 12 times, 11 times at this point. And uh, I I really gave it some thought. And um, I ran through ChatGPT. <laughs> and I came up with a list. Yeah. And uh, this is John's. Fast and Furious movie rankings as of June 6th, 2023. Uh, best one yet. So, here we go. Number one with a bullet. Everybody knows what it is. It's Fast Five. Uh, it's the best. It's just a really great movie. If you decided to get into these movies, watch every movie leading up to Fast Five, watch Fast Five, cut it off. 
Uh, following that is, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, number two, The Fast and The Furious. It is very high on the list, but I think it's only because of, like, nostalgia. I do agree that it's, like, it, it's a magnetic movie. There's a reason why so many of them continued to get made. Number three on the list is, of course, the last five minutes of Furious 7. <laughs> number three... Is the last five minutes of Furious 7. Uh, very sad. Can't listen to that song without crying. It was in this movie. It was in this movie. It was, it was, it was a reprise. It was a reprise in this movie. It was very good. It was I, very good. I hated that they did that to me. It was, that was very good. It was mean. And of course, number four, Los Bandoleros. Okay. Uh, now, Los Bandoleros has actually changed up a little bit on my list. It went up. Because this movie, similar to how I rank The Fast and the Furious so high, for having an indelible impact on the events of the films we watch, Los Bandoleros continues to, fucking 15 years after it came out, have a significant indelible impact on these movies. They never forget the short art film Vin Diesel directed about jacking gas trucks in Rio, and I really appreciate it. It's also the canonical marriage between Letty Absolutely. and Dom. It is arguably one of the most important movies in this entire franchise. Uh, and then number five after Los Bandoleros is Better Luck Tomorrow. Uh, that's right. <laughs> the top five movies include three that aren't even full movies. No, Better Luck Tomorrow is for sure Not, yeah, absolutely. a Fast and Furious yeah. movie. Uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, I think, is a, it's a great early 2000s kind of slice of life crime drama. Really enjoyable. Loved it a lot. Uh, and then number six, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. A movie that I unabashedly love, even in the light of F9, the Fast Saga, totally ruining the main character of that movie by bringing him back even stupider than before. Really Fo dumb. Really yeah. dumb. Bad move. Following Tokyo Drift, The Fate of the Furious. Great villain. It has that one moment I really like. For better or for worse, it set us on the path we are on now for these movies. Following the Fate of the Furious, right in the middle of the list, in the top 50th percentile, is of course Too Fast, Too Furious. Gotta oh, love it, Ejecto Cito, yeah. cuz. Ejecto Cito, it, 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 listen. Soft as, we, spark. as we've gone through these movies, it keeps getting beaten down lower and lower yeah. on my list. And I rated it really low last time. I have no idea why. Ejecto Cito, cuz. It's great. They crashed that boat into a yacht. I think I brainwashed you. It's Too Fast, Too Furious is the best. Uh, under Too Fast, Too Furious, this is where things start to get interesting. That's right, in the worst movies. I think Under Too Fast, Too Furious is Fast X. It is the top of the bottom of my list. Okay, okay. Uh, I, what, Dante Reyes is a great antagonist. There was a lot of really good, fun stuff happening in this movie. We talked about it for damn near two and a half hours, so how could I not rate it highly? Uh, I actually don't agree with this, but under Fast X, I put F9 the Fast Saga. Uh, but this is really, for what it's worth, F9 the Fast Saga has a somewhat, 
uh, primacy of recency bias because I kind of remember it. Because this is where the movies totally like meld Nebulous. together into yeah. like, like, and then it goes Fast and Furious Six, Fast and Furious, Furious Seven, of course, takes us all the way down to thirteen, and now we get to the Devil's Garbage Pile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that famous Devil's Garbage yeah. Pile. Now we get to the sludge. We get to the fish guts. We get to the chum. We garbage get to the sh- pale kids. We get to the shit. <laughs> the, the bottom three are in order. Number 14 is, of course, the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. Worse than the incomprehensible, borderline unwatchable, offensive, turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious is Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Wow, that is really low. In hindsight, don't care for that movie at all. Don't like what it did to the franchise. Oh man, I gotta read. I can't rethink my list. Really? is locked in. I just really don't care for what it did to those relationships, what it made us question about the things we were enjoying, Very good how points. it opened the door to bifurcating the series across famous actors yeah. rather than the artistic heart. And then, of course, the worst has to be Fast and Furious Spy Racers. If this gives you any indication how I felt about it, for all of these, I listed the year that they came out in parentheses. And for Fast and Furious Spy Racers, I just put bad. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. Fast and Furious Spy Racers is horrible, mean-spirited. It is the worst one on this list because in addition to being creatively bankrupt, a total snore, and a creative abortion, it actually teaches really bad lessons to kids. Wow. It, it irony poisons children. Yeah. There's nothing good. It teaches nothing. It is the worst kind of children entertainment. These Fast and Furious movies might be rotting the minds of adults, and that's fine, but <laughs> I, will, I will not abide something rotting the mind of a child. Amazing. Uh, strong words out of your rankings. Uh, very life lessons we might be able to, to, to glean for ourselves now. Now comes the time for my completely unbiased list that was locked in before you started doing your list, so I cannot change in hindsight what I have put down. Putting down. Uh, of course, my name's always applauded across all platforms. People really love them. Uh, I honestly think they listen just for the names of my rankings. Mm. Um, you know, I did look at the name that I did last time, and I think we kind of nailed it, so here we go. Once again, in the spirit of this movie, taking something that succeeded in the past and redoing it in the present. Redoing it, yes. This is, of course, Henry's Cool Car List 2019. Air horn, air horn noise. These are air horn, horn, horn noises. Noises. 
That's right. I sprung for professional sound designers to help me out on that, and I have been locked out of my phone. <laughs> it's really interesting that it it's 2019 when the last time we did this list was 2021. <laughs> like I said, why mess with what works? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, here we go. Number one. I don't know that one of these movies came out in 2019. <laughs> Number one. They didn't. It's Number one with a bullet. Uh-huh. With the biggest and boldest of the bullets you can choose in Microsoft Word uh-huh. is, of course, Fast Five. I don't need to say anything about this movie. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect fucking movie. If you've never seen Fast Five and you're listening to this, I will hunt you down. Hard. Uh, number two. We agree on so much of our list this year. Number two is The Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm, the, 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 the thing that kicked off kicked it all off. Without this movie, there's nothing else. Absolutely. Uh, number three is, of course, The Last Minutes of Fast 7. Uh, the Farewell to Brian is just so powerful. Now and, we're, we're 100% aligned on three so far. Uh, this is where we differ. Uh, I think number four is Better Luck Tomorrow. Oh, okay, I see. In a similar vein for the the Fast and the Furious, without Better Luck Tomorrow, Justin Lin does not get his start. That is true. That is very, very true. And Han doesn't become the cornerstone of yes. all of these films. Absolutely. At least almost nearing half <laughs> he has mm-hmm. been in. Um, and so this is where I become a sucker. And uh, uh, I fall for the recency bias. I fall for the big theater experience. Mm-hmm. Number five on my list is Fast X. Really? Really. Okay. I think I've been swayed uh-huh. by a man. A man in disguise as a trickster demon with finger-painted nails and flamboyant tendencies. Dante Reyes is such a standout villain for me. He dominated almost near half of our conversation of this episode. And I think he alone has pulled his movie up to such halcyon ranks as number five on my list. I am not lying. I had Fast X as number five. Wow. For a time. And then yeah. I, I, I thought about some more and I moved it down, but I totally respect that choice. Could have made it myself. And, and I think my number six choice comes with a lot of hindsight. I, I think I shat on this movie a lot when it came out. But I think subsequent releases have shown me, in hindsight, how strong this movie actually is. My number six pick is Fate of the Furious. Really? Okay. Because it's sort of like, if this is where we're going to end up, Mm -hmm. this movie laid the groundwork. Absolutely. And Cypher is so much more interesting than the person we can't remember in mm-hmm. F9. I think what I'm what I'm revealing in my list, the villains are yeah. they make the biggest impact on I, where you you end up. I on cannot the list. blame you. There are two phases of Fast and Furious movies. The Fast and the Furious ended with Fast Five. Yeah. There was a weird mingling period Six where nothing and mattered. <laughs> and then Fate of the Furious is where they the common era yeah. of Fast and Furious movies began. It's like when um, they did a second Infinity Stone movie or a third Infinity Stone movie in the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Like, fate put us on track. Absolutely. Um, so, I took to heart what you said just now about Hobbs and Shaw, mm-hmm. but my list is locked in. 
So Hobbs num- and Shaw is in the top 50%? Number seven. Man. On my list is oh Hobbs and Shaw. Wow. Which, in hindsight, is a mistake, and I cannot recant. I listen. I get it. I understand. Hobbs and Shaw was much higher on my list before I did some reworks. This might be a reminiscent, uh, a holdover from the crack era. Yes, the, the from podcast. the era where we had no idea what we were doing and we're going off the cuff and it had like six Coronas. Because like what I'm about to say makes no sense to me now. Because number eight, lower than Hobbs and Shaw for some reason, is Tokyo Drift. You have to know that's wrong in hindsight. I uh, think I do. Because Tokyo Drift extended the Han lore. Mm-hmm. Gave us Han in a, in a way. Was Justin Lin's introduction to the franchise. Mm-hmm. And the subsequent films that spilled out... My argument is Tokyo Drift gives us Fast and Furious because it was like in, yes. a, in a in a in a earnings toilet with Absolutely. Fast and Furious. Tokyo Drift brought us back. Absolutely, and of course, Vin Diesel's involvement mm-hmm. in the ending of that was what gave us the rest of the franchise. Yeah, so it doesn't belong here, but that's it gave where it us is. the fuck It I forgot to ever say that it gave us the fuck Yeah, but it is what it is. Number nine on my list is the short art film Los Bandoleros. Mm. Um, Because as much as I know the importance of it, I fell asleep. That is totally fair. It's a a short, pretty incomprehensible art film. Yeah. Uh, Number 10, so we're entering the lower echelons of the list. Number 10 is F9, The Fast Saga. I I think if I were already to remake this list, I might reorganize the next two. Above it, because um, I've got Fast 6 and Furious 7 and 11 and 12. I don't remember these movies at all. Uh, Fast 6, Fast and Furious, and Furious 7. I don't remember these movies whatsoever. I think I remember the name Owen Shaw? Yeah, no. He was an okay villain. Um, no Deckard, though. Um, Alright, at number 13, I have the incomprehensible uh, dialogue list. The turbocharged pre-sequel. That is the highest it's ever been placed on one of these lists. So. It should be lower, but uh, I really didn't like Fast and Furious, the fourth movie, apparently. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from. Fast and Furious is the only one that had exclusively CGI cars. That's it. That's the yeah. reason it's so low. Yes. Because uh, even in the turbocharged pre-sequel, the cars were real, even though the races didn't happen. Yep. And that leaves us to the last two mm-hmm. movies. The Devil's Shit Pile. As the Devil's Shit Pile. The Garbage Pale Kids. Mm-hmm. And of course we know what's going to be last. It's got to be Spy Racers. Yeah. You know, I agree with everything you said. And mm-hmm. for all of the same reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's bad for children. <laughs> it's not... It's creatively bankrupt... The episodes we watched, which were all of them, of, oh, course, of course, of course, we watched all of them, um, were just it, not good. We mm-hmm. thought it was building to something, and it built to cardboard mm-hmm. that disintegrated under the water of critical analysis. Yeah, and it you know it's it's bad for kids, so we know it's like a foregone conclusion what your last movie is. Yeah, so, so at number fifteen is of course Fast and Furious presents Spy Racers. Meaning the last movie, the very worst movie on my ranking list is, of course, Too Fast, Too Furious. 
I can't do this anymore. It is bad. Eva Mendez came back for one end credit scene and was never heard from again. This is horrible. I, this is a personal attack on me that has been waged over years and I won't stand for it. Well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, wait till next... Wait, wait till next movie and hope you change your mind. It'll be the funniest thing I think I could do. This Hobbs movie comes out and it somehow surplants <laughs> Too Fast, Too Furious uh-huh. to the, such a degree that Too Fast, Too Furious ends up at the upper echelons. Yeah, no. It's so bad it pushes it to the top. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the funniest thing. Yeah. At the end of the Hobbs movie, they, they do a weird retcon where they say every character who wasn't the characters who were in Too Fast, Too Furious, known accomplices of Jared Fogle. <laughs> and then you have to rearrange everything. Yeah. You know what's funny? And it's still open at this point. Uh, they brought back the villain from Past Five and, and his son. Mm-hmm. The villain from Too Fast, Too Furious says, when I get out of prison, I am coming for you guys. <laughs> yes. He, smash cut to his skeleton in a prison. <laughs> Eaten by rats, yeah. of course. They, they really heavily set up that this villain was going to come back and come after Brian and Roman. Yeah. It has never happened. It has never happened. So, doors open. Doors open. What if the villain in Too Fast, Too Furious, the, the car crashes into the yacht? We do a similar thing to Fast X where he cut back and then the villain from Too Fast, Too Furious is like, my son, cut Jason Momoa. <laughs> he was adopted. Jason Momoa with an eyebrow scar on the other eyebrow. <laughs> oh no, there's two. Yeah. It's like the parent trap. They do the mirror technique. Yeah. Where and his film. name's Virgil, of course. Yeah, yeah, Virgil and Dante. Yeah, of course. Well, there's nothing more to say that has not been said. Yeah, we've talked about everything we could talk about other than all the things we wanted to talk about but didn't have time to. I I think I got them all out of the way. I honestly think I did because I even remembered things I didn't even write down. I, I think... I think I can close the book on Fast X... Yeah, we need to talk more about Pete Davidson, but we'll do that in another episode. When we're gonna, he comes back in the next movie. We're going to do a supplemental reading on Pete Davidson's career. And why you should stop casting him. Why, stop putting him in cameos and movies. He's not a good actor. Keep him in the Taco Bell commercials. That's where he belongs. Yeah, that's where he belongs, in the Taco Bell. Yeah. I guess Pete Davidson in this movie is like Ryan Reynolds in the Hobbs and Shaw movie. Because both characters, kind of just, both actors, kind of just play themselves and whatever they're yeah. in. Yeah. No, no shots fired at any actor in particular. I mean, one's a one's like a pretty good comedic actor, and the other one is Pete Davidson, who can't even get through an SNL sketch. So, like, yeah, I hear you. You you're you're carrying like a big fire. I hate Pete Davidson. Oh yeah, I hate Pete Davidson a lot. But there's nothing left to do but to wrap up this episode. And thank you for listening to all of this. This is, I mean, that's an accomplishment. I hope you were doing something. I hope you were like on a walk. Broke this up over a number of, like, commutes. That would be pretty cool. That's what I do. I would really hate to think that you sat doing something for roughly two hours and 20 minutes. Well, hopefully, I mean, even if you did, we, we love that you did it. I mean, yeah. just... This... In addition to the regretful thing you had to sit down for two hours and 20 minutes for to listen to this. Well, maybe they were working on a puzzle. No, I mean the movie. Oh... 
Yeah. yeah. Let's get these folks free of us. Mm-hmm. Let's get them out. We, we d- didn't even talk about the after credits scene. Well, we did a little. We did a little. So, okay, just to briefly cover it. No, no we don't I, have to. Let's get these. Let's get these nice people home by nine. I wasn't saying words. Uh, Dwayne Johnson will be back because Hobbs is not Hobbs. He's Hobbs. Dante is targeting him. Whatever. Dwayne Johnson will return in Spider Man. Yeah. Far from home. Far from here. Anyway. We can't remember who edited last. We can't. So, who does the... I'll do it. Okay. My social media plugs are always the quickest. Um, If you loved... You know, usually for supplementaries, we're very serious. Okay, let's be serious. Well, uh, if you have anything to tell us about that now that I have it in my mind to be serious, I can't be serious. If you watched fast x which you should have but if you have theories about it or anything or you know if you're just still one of the people who's on twitter and you want to reach out we are on twitter at zcpcwhj on twitter.com supplementary readings have no throw you can send us oh henry's very sad you can send us an email (laughs) to you know what henry what what's ZCPCWHJ stand for? Wow, that was actually really good. It's like a car chase. Uh, we are on email. <laughs> We're on email. You can send us an email to zerocrets is a podcast at gmail.com. One day we'll figure the email address we're paying for out. If you're listening to this podcast, congratulations. You can download a podcast. There are a lot of people who don't know how to. You can tell them that they can download podcasts on Good Pods, Podchaser, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. If you found this podcast on a service, we're probably on another one. So tell your friends to listen to us there. And if you, listening to this now, could leave us a rating or review on a platform that supports it, that would be great. Maybe throw a couple dollars our way. Maybe give us a little cash so we can put it under a coat. And then we can make a dumb plot point out of the fact that we have some money when we didn't have money. And we'll talk to Pete Davidson. But more importantly, you can talk to Pete Davidson. That's right. Get Pete Davidson's agent information. Or if you're a person who's friends with Pete Davidson, that's right. I'm talking directly to you, Lorne Michaels. You curmudgeon. <laughs> Let me on SNL, you coward. Uh, talk to Pete Davidson and tell him to listen to the podcast because, first of all, I think he'd really like it. I said he did a good job in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, tell him not to listen to the other things I said about him. Uh, but get him to listen to the podcast, because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell your friends, tell your familia, tell Pete Davidson, because he's a chameleon. That's right, he blends perfectly into any role. He's the man of a thousand faces. He's a real Walt Cheney. And from everyone here at the newly acquired Pete Davidson Zero Credit Studios, we want to wish you a happy week.
I pulled him by being a hottie. <laughs> I was I was hot for a while, and now Pete Davidson is dating me. They they call me a baddie. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and goodbye! <laughs> goodbye!